What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Radiovania, episode number 97, your nerdy public radio for all things entertainment and pop culture. My name is Zach Rotello, at Zach Rotello on Twitter, and sitting across from me in the flesh. At a table. At a table, at a physical thing. Yes. Is John Swanson. And we back, and we back. We're <laughs> keeping all the bloopers in, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nothing but outtakes this no whole edits. episode. No edits. Uh, thank you all for joining us. That's right, uh, John and I are back in the flesh for the first time in a long time, probably in a very long time. Feels like the first. <laughs> probably since, um, probably since the Suicide Squad. That's in review, right. Or, yeah. or Eternals, whichever was after. I think it was Eternals. Eternals doesn't count though, because we were asleep. Though. We were like, so the whole dead. <laughs> <laughs> we were ready to keel over at any moment. Yeah, so. We're back in the flesh, no Zoom call, all audio, so there will not be any video portion of this podcast, but thank you all for jumping in and joining us. Uh, Like I said, this is episode number 97. This is our March Madness episode, baby. Yeah, baby. So we're going to talk some news, we're going to talk some updates, some movies, some television. We got uh, Obi-Wan, we've got Nicolas Cage, we've got Oppenheimer, we've got Batman updates, uh, but beyond that, we've also got some Oscar updates as well. But then we're going to end the episode by doing a couple different brackets in honor of March Madness. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, March 22nd, so we're right in the middle of the March Madness shit. If they're on their hiatus, so. they'll be back in two days. Back in a couple days. So yeah. For the Sweet 16. That's right, that's right. And uh, our, uh, our brackets are doing okay. I would say I'm in the I'm in the lead. My bracket's actually really great. Yeah. Um, I have 13 out of 16 top 16 teams. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we have a similar final four. Everybody but one, right? Didn't we talk about this? We have the exact same final four. We just have different winners. Different winners. Yes. Okay. And we have the same championship too. Arizona versus Purdue. Yeah. Boilers up for Kaylee. Boilers up. <laughs> yeah, Kaylee and Alex are Purdue alums, so... Hopefully, hopefully they make a deep run. But well, shout out, we'll be rooting for insert school name here when you <laughs> get to the end of the. Yeah, Buckeyes are out. All bets are off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're gonna talk about some other stuff too in the episode. But at the end of it, we're gonna do a couple brackets. We're gonna do best sequels, fantastic follow-ups, uh, the catchy trade TM. It's gonna be in, yeah. It's gonna be in the, in the clickbait. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're also gonna do our best beverages, which is gonna be a little less rigid we uh, <laughs> there's by, a little less structure to it but exactly but yeah. by that point in the podcast john we've been uh, drinking uh bourbon and double gingers no double bourbon and double gingers. bourbon and double gingers. <laughs> yeah. i'll take a bullet double the mix <laughs> uh but yeah so thank you all for joining in and listening up it's gonna be a fun episode um you can catch us at Radiovania.com. That's where you can listen to all of our old episodes. You can subscribe to the feed. You can find all the podcast services and stuff like that. There's also an option on there. If you feel like dropping us a couple bucks as a tip, feel free to do that. All the money goes right back in the pod and not into our alcohol budget. We promise. Yeah, when we reach 1,000 subscribers, we're going to make a Radiovania OnlyFans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just we sell photos of the two of us Yeah. doing unspeakable things. Solo play, obviously. Solo, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> solo only fans <laughs> uh, but yeah be, other than that you can go to if you search Radiovania on YouTube you'll find all of our videos like the few of us a few of us part two uh, but you can also go to Radiovania show on Instagram at Radiovania on Twitter or email the show with any of your comments questions concerns or topic suggestions to Radiovania show at gmail.com that is about all the plugs that I've got so without further ado my good friend Jonathan yes John Swan nothing 
John Swanathan. John Swanathan. Uh, what you been up to, man? What what what's been occupying your time? The last episode we did was our The Batman review, which is our second most listened to audio podcast since we migrated to to Anchor from Spreaker. Yeah. So really minute that's like you got to filter in through a couple different things but it's doing really well so thank you all for it's your like support. a just for inflation yeah. yeah yeah thank you for all your support listening to the batman review we had a lot of fun doing it uh we're still reveling from that flick um i think about it sometimes man yeah i mean since the last time we did a show i saw it a third time um which was fantastic i am Every day I wake up and I'm like, should I go see it again today? And uh, the answer has so far has been no, but I might see it one more time before it comes yeah. to HBO Max on April 15th. Yeah, I want to see it one more time in Dolby or IMAX. I was so blown away by the presentation that I feel like yeah. I'm going to miss it if I don't. If I don't do it, take advantage of it, and then in like a few years, it's like, well, I could really go for some Batman and IMAX, but yeah, we'll see. But yeah, no, the movie inspired me to reread some uh, iconic Batman comic book story arcs that I haven't read in a while, like Hush, The Long Halloween. I'm reading Zero Year by uh, Scott Snyder, which ties into some of the Riddler stuff, um, as well as The State of Gotham City by the end of the movie. I've also you know, reread Old Man Logan for fun, uh, just threw that in the pile. And then yeah, just reading, reading the comic books that have been coming out, like Saga... Detective Comics, uh, World's Finest just came out, number one, featuring Batman and Soups, so that was really cool. And then uh, I've actually been watching new movies, so for those of you that say I don't watch new movies, I watch a couple of them. I had three in the past week. Uh, I watched That's Fresh. A big, it's a big week for you. It is. I watched Fresh with you last mm. night, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. I watched Hulu's uh, direct-to-streaming, finally-released Deep Water, starring Ana de Armas and Ben Affleck, the erotic thriller. Non-spoiler reveal real quick. Uh, if you have the time, watch it. It's like around two hours or less than that. It's on Hulu, so if you have Hulu or a friend with Hulu, you can watch it. It's unlike anything I've seen in a while, and to me, that makes it worth watching regardless of if it's good or not. But I'm also biased because I'm a huge Affleck fan, and uh, I mean, what more can be said about our paramour, Ana de Armas, you know? Yeah, no, um, what, what more can be said? That is very true. Lots of things, but not on this pod. Yes, um, exactly. Wait We're... for the Ana de Armas pod coming soon. Ana de Armas in review, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I watched the 1974 classic Chinatown, uh, yeah, yeah. directed by Rowan Polanski, starring Jack Nicholson. I've always heard good things about the script by Robert Town and the cast and just the the well-constructed noir detective story and, and coming off of all these Batman things. I've kind of been in the mood for that type of movie and it's cool. It's got that great... It's a it's a movie filmed in the 70s but it takes place in the 30s and it's also staged as if it came out in like those early 1930s, 40s Warner Brothers gangster movies with the, the music and the opening credit sequence that takes like 10 minutes as they go through everything at the beginning. Yeah. Um, so that was really great. It's been a movie that's been on my list as someone that like loves movies as much as me. It's like yeah. it's been a movie that everyone tells you that you gotta watch. So it's on my bucket list. I'll get to it eventually. It is Maybe. on HBO Max. So if you have HBO Max, you can watch it included with your subscription. How long is it? How long is Chinatown? Two hours and twenty minutes. Okay, so not like a beefy like. It's no Godfather Part Two. It's no Snyder Cut. But it's it's it takes time to marinate the story. Sure. So. Would you classify Jack Nicholson as a top five favorite actor for you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Denzel, Jack Nicholson, Affleck, Harrison Ford, Keaton. That was fast. Yeah. 
I don't know if I could do it that fast. That's what she said. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Hopefully not. <laughs> Hopefully not. I gotta take some time to marinate on that one, but yeah. Okay, cool. Chinatown. Um, talked about some comic books. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting back into the comic book scene too. Well, getting back into it, getting into it. So I've got my first pull list that I gotta go pick up from the store. But um, yeah, you finally you're you're part of the ship, part, part of the, the crew ship, part now. Of the crew. Yeah. yeah, I'm a Wednesday, Wednesday warrior. warrior. Hashtag Wednesday warrior. What do you uh, What do you got coming up? Uh, so John over there on the cross the table, he helped me kind of set up a like a list of things that he thought that I might enjoy. I helped the baby bird leave the nest. Yeah, as so, every good comic book fan that tries to to pull you into the the comic book mafia does. Yeah, you know. So I'm gonna, on your feet. I'm picking up the the Superman Batman World's Finest with the Seinfeld cover. That's the one that I think just is it would be cool for me to have as a collector's item. Batman and Superman in cars getting coffee. That's it's, true. Yeah. It's a good looking cover. I almost bought four covers of that book because of how good it looks. How good all the alternates are. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I'm getting back. In, I'm, I'm into Saga. Like, I've got through volume four, so I need to take take John, John's... Paradigm game. shift since the last episode. You're in now. I'm in, yeah. yeah. Last episode, we were talking about it briefly. Like, the first volume didn't really do it for me. I was very confused. It kind of, it's a really jarring way to tell a narrative because it's like... Well, it's media res, right? It just drops you in. It's the same with The New Hope. Like, first time you're in it, you're like, what's the Empire? Who? What's the, you know, Rebel Alliance? Who are these people? Why do yeah. I care about these robots? Oh my God, it's been 50 minutes and I haven't seen a human. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's interesting. No, it's definitely by design. You can tell that it's by design. It's just, it wasn't what I was expecting. Like, I was expecting more... I even I think Saga is even less narratively focused than Star Wars. Oh yeah. I mean it's like it's character of driven pages of yeah. shit. So yeah, it's characters, you're learning the characters. Once you start once the characters start doing stuff that you like, you start getting more invested and that's when I was like, "Oh, okay. I like where this is going." And I feel like at uh, around the time of like volume 3ish, I was like, "Oh, there's stakes. I like stakes. I like I like when there's a plot driving the narrative and that there's and there's yeah. things to be worried or concerned about and you want your characters to succeed, to succeed. So I'm excited to keep going with Saga. But other than that, I'm, su- I'm signed up for Captain America Zero, uh, which we'll talk about whenever that does come out in a month or two. Uh, Nightmare Country, Detective Comics, uh, Daredevil, the new run that's going to start here in a little bit, and then uh, Batman, Superman, World's Finest, and Saga. So that's a pretty beefy list, I'd say. Pretty respectable... Uh, pull list I'm, I'm, consisting of feel, multiple multiple parties. Yeah. I feel pretty good about it. Um, yeah. What else have you been up to? Well, before we talk about what I've been up to, I want to ask you about the Cleveland Browns. Oh, uh, I was hoping we could brush over that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Die easy fan already. This this is no. <laughs> Let the record state. Um, so the Browns have gone through some public turmoil recently. Um, to put it lightly. Yes, they have started to express interest to some of their players that they're not interested in re-signing them or that they're not going to be shutting down some of the rumors maybe about trades, uh, including their star quarterback, Baker Mayfield, star in quotes there. Um, But the big thing is that the Browns have decided to sign Deshaun Watson, formerly of the Houston Texans, formerly of 22 sexual misconduct allegations nationwide, to the max $230 million over five-year deal to come play football in the city of Cleveland. Uh, The front office staff, Coach Stefanski, everyone says that they 
did extensive research where they went out and they're like, you know what, this Deshaun Watson guy, maybe he did it, maybe he didn't do it, <laughs> you know, but like we talked to him, he seems like, you know, he didn't do it or he's on board with, with making amends and, and changing his narrative and we did thorough research to make sure that his his mind is focused on football mm. and we think he's best for the community over Baker Mayfield who has been easily since LeBron James has been out of town probably the most recognizable athlete attached to the city of Cleveland with all the progressive or progressive commercials and stuff like that oh yeah um not a good look. <laughs> no, no. Really, I mean, like, really bad look. There, it, it's it. It looks terrible on the organization to be one out of thirty-two teams that's like, you know what? We want to win that badly that we're gonna we're gonna hire potentially a, a rapist and um, put people on our staff at risk, um, and just project the message that. It doesn't matter what you did, but what you can do on the field is what's most important, which isn't necessarily true. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a real bummer. Like, um, there's not really much... We're not sports analysts. We're not... We, you don't we're have to here, be an analyst to, no. to we're, this out. Yeah, but again, but like also, like not only are we not sports analysts, we're not analysts, we're also not like... Public defenders. Public defenders. Exactly. That's a great yeah. word for it. Um, so... All that stuff aside, like it, it's it it sucks for fandom. I think like I would be devastated if something like this happened in Cincinnati. Like, and uh, I don't know. It's just weird, but like I definitely think it's about to be a weird football season. I did want to break um, a little bit of news for you. There was a uh, a beat writer came out uh, for the Athletic. Um, about the Browns speaking with Deshaun Watson over the allegations. Um, it says that uh, the Browns said that they received overwhelmingly positive feedback from people in Watson's past to maintain they investigated the accusations, but they did not contact Tony Busby, the attorney representing the accusers, for fear that their interests would become public. They did, however, speak extensively with three female attorneys associated with Harden's defense team. They were the women, including attorney Leticia Quinones, who vetted Watson on whether or not to take the case. They went to Georgia, where Watson was staying, and spent two days gathering information before agreeing to represent him. Long way toward getting the the Haslams comfortable with moving forward with and pursuing a trade for Watson. This is the this is the shitty part. So the that first couple blurbs is they said that they spoke expensively with female attorneys associated with the defense team. So they spoke with attorneys on the defense team. Is Franklin just eating shit out of the garbage? I told you, he likes to sit on bags. Oh, yeah, right. What's um, up, Frank? The last, the last little bird, and then we can move on past this and forget about this and talk about movies and shit, is the Browns discussed a case with Watson, who maintained his innocence throughout the investigations for roughly 30 minutes. The rest of the meeting was devoted to football. Uh, Barry discussed the Browns roster, how it was built, and how it will continue to evolve into the future. 30 minutes. 30 minutes. And someone... 30 minutes. Someone on... I want to shout out to Rockies fan forever on the NFL subreddit who has a comment that says that's just over one minute per victim. Harsh but true. Harsh Um, but true. Really shitty. That being said, uh, I am uh, boycotting Cleveland memorabilia, airtime... 
anything involving the Browns this season. Uh, I'm not alone in, in saying this in terms of both my social circles as well as a lot of the general public here in the area. Um, and I will be fully supporting uh, the Buccaneers for the NFC as I normally do. And uh, um, I'm jumping ship to the Bengals for the AFC. So Uday. you're welcome. We welcome you with open arms. I'm already part of the mafia <laughs> <laughs> as evidenced by my playoff appearance this past year. But yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's, it's ultimately it's just disappointing. Yeah. So, um, well, let's talk about fresh. Something that uh, was equally uh, upsetting, <laughs> <laughs> but in different ways. Sure, but in different ways. Yeah. So last night we were here in Cleveland. We were just kind of chilling out, and we decided to throw on a flick uh, while we were having some cocktails and stuff. And so we decided to watch the new Hulu, uh, the Hulu budget like financed movie. It went straight to Hulu streaming. It's not. It's not a Fox movie. Uh, it's not in theaters, uh, but it's going right to. It went right to Hulu. Um, it was probably it could have been a Fox presentation. I, I really I'm I'm diving in to see some other details, but it was uh, directed by Mimi Cave. Uh, she's done some really small stuff, like nothing huge. Like this is her first major her first major production, um, written by Lauren Kahn, who was not writer but a crew member and she her imdb credit is additional crew on Step Brothers and the other guys so she's a, she's a mckay person she's been in the she's yeah. been in the round the ringer with with adam mckay okay um starring daisy edgar jones sebastian stan uh don't want to even talk really about the plot and maybe if you don't want to know about our th- we're gonna be spoiler free really i guess yeah i but. think that i think the interesting thing about this movie is if you go into it pretty blind it is a interesting ride and even if you don't go into it blind it is still a very interesting ride yeah i wish i would have never seen the trailer and knew the premise it is like full disclosure non-spoilers it is quite disturbing yeah, so yeah oh yeah if you are easily disturbed by by gore specifically as well as real world dark elements as opposed to the paranormal this might not be something that you should go into blind and maybe maybe check out the premise before even deciding to watch it um because i can see that be being particularly upsetting yeah um otherwise like i mean the bottom line for me is like it's very well uh created sure did i enjoy my time no <laughs> I liked watching it with you and Julia but sure, like right. it was not necessarily something that I'm like man I can't wait to rewatch that oh no like, you don't rewatch I enjoyed watching movie. that movie like it's a memorable experience right yeah. same with like seeing Joker with you on film like I loved that experience do I need to watch Joker again not really <laughs> not really yeah yeah I liked it I, I mean I uh, I really like Sebastian Stan's performance um Haunting. Very haunting. Very uh, totally unhinged. Very Anthony Hopkins, sure. Jack Nicholson thriller yeah. stuff. Yeah. No, it's really competently made. Like, it's well shot. The music is really good, particularly. I thought the music choices were excellent. Uh, filmed really well, considering it really only takes place in two locations. It's uh, taking a page from the old Venom Let There Be Carnage playbook. Well, it's also just but. taking a page from the pandemic. Right. Play. Yo, this yeah. Like one thing we didn't talk about the Batman is like most of the third act is in the mayor's apartment. Pretty in- or first act is it's pretty interesting. Like yeah. If you start to analyze some of these movies, you're like, yeah, it's like 
let's pick a house and we'll rent it out and we'll make sure that everyone gets tested and like let's make a fucking movie you know right the Blumhouse productions have been doing this oh my god they're going crazy because they're like they're like for nine million dollars we can make a low budge horror movie that's gonna like right you know like quadruple its its production budget at the box office so um but yeah there's not much really else I want to say about the movie because I think that if you're interested at all if you like Sebastian Stan if you're not if you're into maybe a more grisly sort of horror movie, like I feel like you will probably get some kind of enjoyment of, of this. I, I kind of, while we were watching it, I likened it to two other horror movies, which I really love, which is Get Out and uh, Ready or Not. There's a little 10 Cloverfield Lane in there, too. Sure, a little bit of 10 Cloverfield Lane, like trapped in a location or yeah. whatever. But um, uh, yeah, it does, it does a lot of really cool stuff. It, it's an interesting take on a subject matter like that especially in this time, current time period we live in so it's a very modern movie and i wonder how a movie like this will hold up over time um but definitely i i recommend it if you're a horror fan and you're and you aren't going to be turned off by some pretty gruesome shit um it's not a slasher movie well. it is a psycho <laughs> it's kind of like a i, I guess i'd call it psycho more psychological horror yeah, that's pretty much. There's really no jump scares in the whole fucking thing, which no. I really appreciate because I hate jump scares. But yeah, um, I don't know. Good flick. I mean, I want to check where where it's eighty something percent. Is it on eighty something percent of Rotten yeah. Tomatoes? So it's critically doing really well. I mean, certified fresh, no pun intended, <laughs> which is hilarious. It's just like the idea, like if it bombed, like the reviews write themselves, man. They rewrite it as rotten. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, 81% with 180 critic reviews. Um, yeah, really cool take on the genre. It's also just under two hours, so you're in, you're out. Doesn't linger on anything. Deep Water is the same way, and I gotta be honest, I'm like, I'm into the idea of like direct to streaming, under two hour, give me two good movie stars, and let's just watch them cook for a little bit. Sure. That sounds fun to me. That's kind of like what movies used to be before it became franchise ball. Yeah. So. Um, you already talked about Deep Water a little bit. You don't want to dive into it anymore because I want to see it. No, yeah, I brought it up in my thing. I just said non-spoilers. Non-spoilers. Just like, it's just enjoyable. Kind of, Check sure. it okay. out. I don't really want to talk about it much. Cool. Um, if you like either of those actors, I think you'll especially have a good time. Okay, cool. The next thing on my list was I watched Turning Red. Um, yeah, did you like it? It was okay. Um, first person I've heard say that Turning Red is okay. People are like raving about this. Movie. I know. I, I, I know. It's got like Do you a think it's because you're not a teenage girl? Like, and never have been? Well, but that's the thing. So, I've, lot, I've read a lot, seen a lot on Twitter, especially right after the movie first came out where it was like, ah, ugh, this movie's made for, uh, it's like the troll reviewers, like troll people on, like fan reviews are like, people are like review bombing it and shit like that, but it's really? like, yeah. Like, I mean, it's, but it's like shitty internet trolls, but people are like, ah, oh, it's about teenage girls, and they, like, ah, this movie's only made for specific people, and if you're not this specific group of people, you won't get any enjoyment out of it, but that's... Yeah. That's what they said about The Last Jedi. <laughs> sure. That's just, yeah. But Jedi it's not, can't be women. <laughs> but it's not true. Like, uh, Turning Red, I thought, was very enjoyable. Like, uh, there was a lot of stuff that actually reminded me of my, of my youth and my growing up, and I had friends that 
acted like the group of girls in the show. And it's so, in like, the 2000s, right? Yeah, it takes place in the early 2000s in Canada. Okay, um, it's sitting in a 95% fresh critic review. On and what's the audience score? 73. 73. Would okay. you agree more with the audience? Yes, yes. totally. Uh, totally. It's I, If I had to score it on the Radiovania patented 20-point scale, I would give it a, yeah, like a 7.75, probably. It's a sure. really... There's one scene in the movie that that did make me cry, which that's is there a Pixar, Pixar movie that doesn't not including Cars. <laughs> uh, I don't remember crying during Brave. Oh yeah, that's a Pixar movie too. Monsters University didn't make me cry. I cried in that, but yeah. I saw that right before I went to college. Oh sure, yeah. So with my um, family. But yeah, so I, I don't know. Turning Red is good. I mean, it's free if you pay for Disney Plus. So why not check it out? I mean, free, free, We're if, all you, part free of the if you pay yeah. for Disney Plus. Um, good performances all around. Sa- Sandra O oh is really good. I, here's what. Here's my two cents, and I'll say this and move on because we don't need to make this a big discussion. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I would love to watch it and, and get my thoughts. But I'm I also just wish- like eight Pixar movies behind. You are. You need to watch Luca. Luca, if you if you're if you're waiting for if you're looking for a Pixar movie to watch that's like a heartfelt, really good, yeah. unique story, watch Coco. Luca. <laughs> uh, here's my two cents for to the writers and the production team at Disney and Pixar. Please, for the love of God, focus your stories on something other than young characters having relationship issues with adults or parents or family. It's like... Because recently it's been turning red onward with their dad. Inside Out. Inside Out's a big one. Coco. If you jump the ship to Disney proper, you have... Well, sure, Brave. But if you jump the ship to Disney proper, you also have Encanto which is a strained relationship with a girl and her family. You also have Frozen, which is a strained relationship with a girl and a sister. It's like, that's why I like Luca so much is because it's about two friends. Like, that spoke to me more. And maybe it's just because, like, I have a different relationship with my family than a lot of other people do. Like, a lot of people are much closer to their extended family than I am. Like, to me, my friends are my family. And so, like, the Lucas hit me way harder than something like, I mean, I cried like a fucking baby during Coco, but, like, that movie's just evocative in a way that not many movies are. You know what I mean? Remember. <laughs> so fucking good, dude. But, uh, yeah. when, uh, when we're old, you and me, and, uh, and you're dying, <laughs> I'm going to learn how to play Remember Me on the guitar, and I'm going sit, to sit by your hospice bed. No, you're going to come up to the guitar, the nurses are like... You're like no no visitors no visitors and you're gonna and you're gonna go no Mi hermano. you go <laughs> there you go he loves this song because <laughs> I'm pretty sure you remember, you learned how to play that on the guitar yeah yeah but uh, that's it I'll move past it just Disney I wish that they would focus on doing I wish that they're like Soul I thought was really a good departure too Soul and Luca also haven't seen Soul back to back really good movies interesting movies with a different premise than. Ah, my family doesn't want me. I'm different than everybody else. Like it was something a little bit more existential and something a yeah. little bit more deep. We've done family drama. We've done it to death. That's kind of their bread and butter, though. I know, and it's so frustrating because I think that they're capable of more. They're capable of deeper, more introspective storytelling than sure. just my mom doesn't understand who I am and blah blah blah. It's like I I don't know. I just think they could be more. Yeah. And I think that that's why turning red 
falls a little flat for me because I feel like I've seen this story before. Just told in a different way. Yeah. Ted Sit. Ted Sit. Good boy. Ted the podcast dog joining us here. Uh, next thing, continuing my... I'm going to breeze through these three really, really quick. Yeah, tell me what you got. Tell me what I got. I'll tell you what I got. So I'm Show sti- me what you got. I'm working through Zach Watches All the Best Picture nominees before the 2022 Oscars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm one away from all of that. The only one that I haven't seen is Drive My Car. Um, it's a three-hour-long foreign film. I really enjoy foreign films, but that's a lot of movie for a Zach. And uh, I just... a lot of movie for a Zach. I need to... I need to uh, I need to find an evening where you can... It's like it's like scheduling time, you know? You gotta schedule out a whole evening to watch this because I'm not gonna try and watch this deep drama foreign language film in, like, chunks. I feel like I need to give it my full attention. Yeah. Um, but I saw three others. I'm chipping my way through the list. I'll start with... I'll go worst to best. Okay. King Richard. Oh, you watched it. Watched King Richard. Not good. It is no. It's not, it's good. It's it's very good. Even it's just uh, it's exactly what you think it is. Yeah. Have you seen any sports movie? It's exactly. You're talking what to you the think guys that tells you that you don't know what a sports movie is when you say Ted Lasso is the best sports. Movie. Ted Lasso is the best sports movie. Ever. It's not a movie. I know, but if it was a movie, it would be the best movie. That's ever. not a valid argument. Okay, it's the let's best. Let's not deliberate the point. Ted Lasso is the best sports entertainment property ever made. Okay. That's what I said. I think there's a lot of Friday Night Light fans out there that might come after you, but you know what? I might agree with you. King Richard, Um, though. Yeah. Um, How's John Bernthal? Everyone's really good. I mean, John Bernthal is good. Uh, Does he say, I'm the Punisher? He does not. (laughs) (laughs) Says it to Zena Woods, Serena Williams. Jesus. Uh, No. uh, Everyone's really good in the movie. The acting is great. The cinematography's good it, um, I, I don't know it, it's a very good movie it's just very paint by numbers it's exactly what you it's, it's the most Oscar baiting movie that I watched of all of the Oscars this year does like, it focus so much on their dad though that yes that's unfortunate it's I mean it's about him like he's know, the main character I don't know character. if that's the route I would go but that's okay he's the main character I mean there there's is he nominated a, let me look that up. I'm pretty sure he's a I'm sure he's best actor yeah, nomination but yeah uh, for six oscars yeah everyone's really good the girls are really good all the all of the his both of his daughters are great i mean the whole family is really good there's a couple scenes in the movie that really are very moving and very powerful but it is a paint by numbers uh coming rags to riches sports movie and like it's an incredible real life story, but the dramatization aspect—I don't know if we necessarily need it. I almost wish I would have watched like a documentary about the family. Interesting. Rather than a dramatization where I can't help but forget—I can't forget that it's Willie, Big Willie style that I'm watching. You know what I mean? Like that. I think that I don't Did think you ever I. Ali? No, I never saw Ali. Mm. I just think Ali's I have a prop. Great. I love Will Smith as a person, and an entertainer. Yeah. But, like, I think I have a problem with him in these more serious roles because I just... Pursuit of Happiness? You're, you're out on that? I never saw Pursuit of Happiness. Dude. You want to cry more than a Pixar <laughs> movie. Uh, so, yeah, King Richard, okay. 7-5, probably somewhere around there. After Earth, oh, my God. What a what an abortion After <laughs> Earth is. That movie's terrible. 7-5, you say? Uh, yeah, it's probably 7 or 7-5. It's right around that turning red. I, it doesn't... It also is funny that I watched Turning Red and King Richard... Uh, two nights in a row. Sure. So it's like, I have a new segment. Okay. For the show, it's called "Does this movie deserve to be a Best Picture over Spider-Man: No Way Home?" No. 
Okay, that's one. There we go. It's in. It's in, baby. <laughs> All right. Uh, the next is Licorice Pizza. PTA. Paul Thomas Anderson, Alana Haim, Al- uh, Bradley Cooper. Uh, Our boy. Uh, Sean Penn. An absolutely stacked cast. This movie is phenomenal. Is this, this where we talk about Star is Born when you're done with this? Yeah, we can touch on Star is Born. <laughs> uh, seeing Bradley Cooper in this movie was kind of the reason why I wanted to watch A Star is Born. Um, oh, interesting. Okay. Licorice Pizza is great. It is a. It is exactly... It's the movie that I want... I'm going to call it like a bump movie where it's like, I don't do cocaine, but it's like, you know, every now and then you just need a bump. You need a little something that's going to remind... You don't want to always watch a movie like this, but every now and again, it's nice to have something like this. Um, This movie, it reminds me so much of Dazed and Confused, uh, Everybody Wants Some, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It is a slice of life. It It is a couple months in the lives of these two people and the world that's around them. And... Everyone is so good. There's some there's some scenes in this movie where I was like crying laughing. It's it's really funny. There's a lot of heart. Bradley Cooper is fucking hilarious. He, like he's not in the movie enough. That's a big complaint that I have is that he uh do you know who who he, who his character is? Have no. you Okay. I don't I don't want to spoil anything, but oh, I don't care. you no I don't because you really should watch this movie. I think that you would enjoy it quite a bit. But um it's very nostalgic. It, it's one of those movies that makes you nostalgic for a time period you never lived in. Like, it's a lot like The Breakfast Club or yeah. or Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Like, being that age in that time period. And there's a lot of funny stuff where it's like, oh, I remember this sort of stuff from my childhood. Like, friends that you'd have or jobs that you'd work. And, like, it, it really, like... It's not an emotion... There's, like, some emotional-ish stuff, but, like, it's not a movie that, it, like, it's, like... Oh, you'll laugh, you'll cry. Like I was mostly just laughing and enjoying myself, and I couldn't believe so that. It's kind of like labored, like a sure, like a a fun period piece that has like some good emotional resonance, but yeah, isn't tied to it. Yeah, and it's very easy going. Like it's not like no one like there's no shootouts or like a bomb that's about to explode or someone has a brain tumor that's about to pop or something like that. It's like, it is just a slice of life. It's a couple months in these people's lives and yeah. it was like really refreshing to watch. It was Which like, means it won't win the Oscar. Cause no, it's not depressing enough. No yeah. prayer. Yeah. No prayer. Yeah. I, I can see King Richard winning over this one. I just think that <laughs> the problem is, is that like, I really liked what Paul Thomas Anderson went for. I just think that, um, it's kind of wild to me that this got nominated and Tick, Tick, Boom didn't because Tick, Tick, yeah. Boom seems much more like an Oscar-y sort of movie. This is like... That was surprising. Yeah, it's really surprising. And I, I, Tick, Tick, Boom is still my favorite movie of last year, but like Licorice Pizza was, is up there. Um, and then the other one that I watched was Coda, uh, which is brilliant. I mean, it's devastatingly sad. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, not in like a... Not in the way that you'd expect. It's just... Um, do you know the premise? Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, the Coda, Child of Deaf Adults. Yep. Um, that lead actress, I can't remember. I don't remember. Are you look? Can you look up the movie and find me the lead actress? Amelia Jones. Amelia Jones. She plays the daughter. She has got a fucking future for her. Like, she was phenomenal in this movie. Like, the whole family, um, the entire family is all great, and she, um, her. She's the she's the youngest daughter of a family of of a family of four. Her 
Her older brother, her father, and her mother are all deaf and are actually played by deaf actors, which is awesome. And one of the, and so it makes all the signing and the emotional, like nonverbal dialogue that they're having at their house that much more engaging. There's huge chunks in the movie where there's no spoken dialogue and it's like, it flows so seamlessly and ah, it's just a beautiful premise and a beautifully executed movie. Um, the mother, are you still? Do you still have the IMDb thing pulled up? Yep, Marlene uh, Matlin. Marlene Matlin. I recognized her, and I was like, I know her. Where the fuck do I know her from? And I remembered she plays the deaf tennis girl in an episode of Seinfeld from the nineties. And in that episode, she actually plays a deaf, like, she, she, her character is deaf, but the actress herself was also... From a 1993 episode called The Lip Reader. The Lip Reader. They hire her, George, the scumbag that George is, hire, she can read lips, and so George hires her to read lips at a party to find out if someone else is sleeping with one of his girl ex-girlfriends. And she's hilarious in that. And in Coda, she's hilarious too. And the dad, oh my god, the dad is so fucking funny, dude. There's one scene in the movie that I was like, I had to pause it because I was laughing so hard. Like, the family's really good. The dynamic is good. The story's emotional. It's a bit predictable, um, but I thoroughly loved it. Great cool. movie. So uh, that, to me, also, new segment. What's going to win the Oscars? That's going to win the Oscar. No. If it's not Power of the Dog, it's going to be Coda. It's going to be Power of the Dog. We'll see. Because everyone hates me. <laughs> <laughs> um... But yeah, I also I'm gonna skip the long Halloween because I feel like we should talk about that on another show when you actually when you watch the show, okay? When you watch the movie, but I I've been I've been playing Elden Ring, uh, the new FromSoft game from the guys that did Demon Souls, Bloodborne, Dark Souls, Sekiro, like uh, Elden Ring. It's crazy. It's like this crazy smash commercial success, open world Soulsborne game. I am loving it. I'm like 40 hours in. It was so hard to get going, but it's like this is like exactly what i needed right now i just something to grind something to grind i put a i put a headphone in i'm listening to podcasts and i'm running around fighting monsters it's great it's so multitasking and what what i'm also enjoying too is like the community aspect of it like uh my our friend michael richard shout out good friend of the pod uh he and i have been playing it at the same time and so we're texting each other asking each other like questions like where do you did you find this first did you find this part of this medallion here where'd you go to do this and it's a very much it's like a recess game. Like I've heard a lot of critics call it something like that or like a playground game where it's like you used to go to the playground and be like, how did you fucking get to the final boss in right, Sonic right, 2, right? right? Yeah. And that's like shit that I remember from back in like school days, like elementary school days. And that's kind of the vibe that I get here is like the communities online talking about it. So if you're intimidated by it, like people out there, like I highly recommend it. It's uh, my favorite game I've played so far this year. So cool. game of the year. Um, but that's everything I've been doing really. Game of the year in March. All right, calling Game it now. And there's Lego been some Star Wars is going to supplant it in a couple weeks. April Star Wars coming out April fifth, mm-hmm. right? April fifth. Um, yeah, I will it's be buying that shit happening. day one. So I've got to, uh, I got to really get through Elden Ring. I know. I got to power through. Got a long way to go. It sounds like way to go. But yeah, that's everything there, John. You want to transition us over to the next uh, part of the show? The news flashpoint. <laughs> So we got a couple of news topics here um, since our last show. First one, kind of a die honor. We're going to be honoring the memory yeah. of William Hurt, the actor, probably best known for his Oscar-winning performance in The Kiss of the Spider Woman. 
uh, and also a four-time nominee. He died at the age of 71. In popular culture now, he's probably known as playing Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah. In um, Civil War and The Incredible Hulk, which is part of the MCU. Fact. Um, yeah, William Hurt. Uh, he had three consecutive Best Actor Academy Award nominations in the mid-1980s, from 85, 86, and 87. Uh, all for movies uh, The Kiss of the Spider-Woman, Children of a Lesser God, and Broadcast News. Um, and then he also got a supporting nom later on for History of Violence. Yeah. I was going to ask you, have you, you've seen History of Violence, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's one that's been on my list forever and I've never seen, but I've heard he's great in it. He is great. Um, but, yeah, really sad to hear. I mean, like, um, you know, definitely lived a great life, like had a ton of great impact in Hollywood and gave some fucking amazing performances. I, I mean, like, as cheesy as it is to say because we're – we're a couple nerdy bearded guys from the Midwest or whatever, but it's like, I really like Thunderbolt Ross in Marvel and it's, it's, it's really sad because I think he was maybe going to play a bigger part in some series coming down the line. He, I think was announced to be part of some stuff. So I think we'll just, Armor Wars, right? We'll Wasn't he going to be in Armor Wars? if they filmed stuff. Yeah, I think he's definitely was supposed to be in Armor Wars, but wasn't he also supposed to be in She-Hulk? Oh, you're right. Yeah, I think already wrapped production. I think it, it's. He's also in it, Black Widow for a little bit too. Yeah, and I think we even noted during Black Widow he was not. He like, did not look good. He didn't look very good at all. No. So yeah, he was definitely. They made it like part of the story in that movie was that he had recent heart attacks, which. Well, they make that a point in Civil War too. Yeah. That's his first line. Yeah. It's like yeah, the triple bypass or whatever. Yeah. Like so. Yeah, tough, I, tough. I mean, sad to see, sad to hear, but like. Fucking shout out William Hurt. What a career. What a life. He's technically uh, in Infinity War and Endgame. He, That's when, right. Infinity War is a hologram, and in Endgame he's at the funeral, and he doesn't say a word. Yep. But he, he got those checks. So he, he got paid. He, he appeared in five Marvel films, so yep. that was probably his film contract there. Um, have you seen the 2010 Robin Hood Oh, the one with Russell Crowe? Yeah, not since the theater, but I have seen it. He is in that. He's also in one of my favorite movies, Vantage Point. He plays oh the president. Oh my god, he's in Vantage Point. That's he plays right. The president. Wow, um, I haven't thought about Vantage Point in starring, a fucking Starring a minute. personal favorite of mine, uh, Russell Crowe. Oh um, my god, dude. Crazy Vantage movie. Point. I thought that Fox. I thought that movie was the tits when it sure. came out in the theaters. Have you watched it recently? No. <laughs> it doesn't hold up. Really? No, there's some janky shit in that movie. The acting is pretty atrocious across the board. Yeah. He's also in Into the Wild, which is a, a favorite oh, yeah. of mine That's because right. of the Eddie Vedder soundtrack. Um, so he's been he's been in stuff for a very long time and, and had a great career. Yeah. Um, so it is sad to see him go, but his, his legacy will definitely live on, and for sure even with the younger generation with all these Marvel movies. For sure. Thunderbolt Ross, baby. Thunderbolt Ross. Um, since our last episode, moving on, uh, a new teaser trailer dropped for a show that you and I are both highly anticipating. It is Disney Plus's Obi-Wan Kenobi, the latest entry into the Star Wars Disney Plus franchise miniseries and, and multiple things following the book of Boba Fett. So this, trail has, this trailer... Uh, is like what minute 30 it's a teaser so it's very short minute 46 minute 46 it already has 14 million views over that on youtube um do you want to talk about this trailer and then talk about the news following it yeah let's do that all right so 
I mean, what 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 more to be said than the fact that we literally spent like I feel like a podcast a day or two before the trailer dropped, or a phone call at least between you and I talking about how we were worried about it because EW released an article with photos uh, from their like production stills of the movie or so of like the show. Two days after we got back from the Batman, we had recorded Correct. our podcast on that Monday. I think it was like Monday March, Monday March 9th or something like that, and then this or Monday March seventh. Mm-hmm. Something like that. And then this trailer drops two days later yeah. after those EW shots. But yeah, we were both a little... I was personally... I was not excited was about not the pictures, thrilled, yeah. but not as as unexcited as Zach was. And then literally like two hours later, the, the Tra- teaser trailer dropped. Yeah, And Zach texted me emergency. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a minute 40. It shows the vibe of the show yeah. without telling us what the plot is. Without showing us too much of the action, particularly involving lightsabers and stuff like that, I'm gonna pull it up. I don't have any sound turned on or anything. Yeah, I've got I've got my video pulled up um, on my end as well. What did What did you think of this teaser? I want you to go first because this is obviously like I'm about to go James Harden ISO ball on you, but I want you to go first. Uh, I I really enjoyed it. I mean, I was really high on it right after we saw the trailer. Uh, I mean. I'm sure we'll talk about this. I'm, it's it's a joke that got beaten to the ground on Twitter the day that the trailer came out, but it's it is like putting putting Duel of the Fates in in any of your trailer for a Star Wars project is the equivalent of like having LeBron James come on a Pee Wee basketball team to shoot some hoops. It's like you're immediately like you're immediately rigging the scoreboard there. Like, but it's not used enough. No, it's not. It's used enough. only in three films. And it's only in the prequels. Oh, you mean in the Star Wars universe? Yes. The song's not used enough. No, Correct. I totally agree. It's in the du- it's obviously in the Phantom Menace. It's it's debut. Yeah, and it's used well because it's during a lightsaber fight. It's but it's used- a fan favorite. Correct. It's used in Attack of the Clones when Anakin's riding a speeder bike looking for his mom, which no one really remembers. They play the bad guy music before he does the bad guy. Thing. Correct. And it's in a little bit of Revenge of the Sith when Anakin and Obi Wan are fighting on Mustafar. Um, it has been used in marketing twice, with the exception of the prequels, for the Rise of Skywalker, which we all thought it was going to be oh, in that's it. That's right. Surprise, it was not. And then now with this. But, um, I mean, we see, we obviously, we see Ewan in this. He's looking, you know, he's doing his hermity best. Um, there's a little bit of voiceover from him, but otherwise, not a whole lot of dialogue from Obi-Wan. We get most of our dialogue from the Grand Inquisitor, which is a character introduced in the Star Wars Rebels cartoon, which you have not watched, but you know of the Inquisitors, and most of the public probably knows of them from the Jedi Fallen Order games. Yeah. Uh, so the Grand Inquisitor is essentially like Vader's right-hand man, who is the captain of all of the Inquisitors. Um, it, I don't know. He looks great. All the other Inquisitors, especially uh, Reva or Reva, however they pronounce it, the new character that's been introduced, not from Rebels, uh, played by Moses Ingram, looks really badass that flip she does over the table and then ignites the saber i was like let's go baby uh we get to see joel edgerton reprising his role as uncle owen from the prequels yeah um doing his very deserty gruff best probably going to be getting into some some heated arguments with our guy ben kenobi uh and then the trailer caps off with uh, the the breathing of darth vader and then the people i just want to make one claim yeah make a claim i love dissecting trailers Nerd culture, it's great. The people that were like in that alleyway shot when Reva is confronting someone with a gun on their hip, that's Han Solo. I'm like, 
Enough with the trying to put full stuff into other things. Yes, Solo takes place a year before this this show. That does not mean that Alden Ehrenreich or Harrison Ford is going to be hot in this show. Like, we need to stop drawing conclusions like that. That is definitely Ben Kenobi using a blaster because he does not want to be caught as a fucking Jedi out in the wild. Right. So, enough is enough. Give me an Obi-Wan show. I want to know about Obi-Wan Kenobi. I want it to be focused on his depression and things after Order 66. Um, obviously, all this word vomit goes without saying. I love the trailer. I'm excited for the show. Um, obviously, I'm after Book of Boba Fett. How can I not be skeptical? So we will have to wait That's and see. That's the thing, man. Is that like yeah. th- I really like the trailer as well. Um, I want to be excited for this. I like I've said for a long time, and we've talked about it. Like I am of the belief that this needs to be, this needs to be good. Like, and I think that they know that. I think that they know that this show has to be. It can't be. It can't be on the the caliber of that Boba Fett show where. Oh my God! It was so all over the place. Like th- th- this is risky. Like Boba Fett, I-, I would, I would, I would say that Mandalorian, Boba Fett, everything they've done since Rise of Skywalker, you could consider like not very risky at all. I think bringing Luke back is pretty risky. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but it's not the titular char- titular character of that show. Like sure. that's a, that's a cameo at best. Um, but this is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, yeah. this is the only Ever thing... heard of him? Remember I him? If, I wonder if he means old Ben Kenobi. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I, Ewan McGregor's portrayal of Obi-Wan in the in the prequels is, like, the one thing that everyone agrees on is, like, the good yeah. thing about those movies. They're And they're bringing it's the, back... It's the thing that binds the prequel fans <laughs> together. And they're bringing back Vader. They're yep. doing the Inquisitors. They're Played by doing... Hayden Christensen. Played by Hayden Christensen, which you don't see in the trailer, thank God. Nope, they are not going to show that in the trailer. I really, really hope not. Um, but I just think that they know that there's a lot riding on this. Like they're they're like, we can't fuck this up. Yeah. And so that's what's about to make what we're about to talk about a little more troubling. It is and it isn't because I think it's just different. Sure. I think it's still going to be a dark show. The entire trailer is literally him being like. It's over. We lost. Like, they're literally killing people in the streets, hunting down Jedi. My favorite part of the trailer is the voiceover where he's like, um, the Jedi cannot help what they are. Their compassion leaves a trail. It's like, it's so interesting to hear about, like, these, essentially, like, these SS officers for the Nazis, like, hunting down this specific group of people, which are the Jedi, which I think is fascinating. But um, let me read this little thing that came out, like, on what? Two days after the trailer dropped, probably. Probably around Uh, The title, Obi-Wan Kenobi was overhauled for being too dark. Ewan McGregor says the character is a broken man. Obi-Wan Kenobi follows one of the series' biggest characters, and it brings back an A-list actor, Ewan McGregor, to reprise his role from the prequel films. And if that wasn't enough, it also features Darth Vader. Mm. In a new EW feature, McGregor and Lucasfilm President Kathleen Kennedy detailed the pressure they put themselves on to make the Disney Plus series live up to its high expectations of which there were many. This is not the the quote of the article, but this was originally a movie, which we should go and and say that. um, That was announced and then canned after Solo and then put together as a a spinoff show. Back to the quote here. Uh, Kennedy reveals that the early scripts in the original writer, Haseen Amini, were incredibly dark and the entire show was put on hold to adjust the tone. Production was delayed from August 2020 to January 2021, to allow for the show to bring in new writers and craft a sunnier story. 
That's also peak pandemic. Um, so that should be known there as well. Quote, we're looking ultimately to make a hopeful, uplifting story, quote, unquote, Kennedy said. It's tricky when you're uh, starting with the character in the state that Obi-Wan would be coming off of Revenge of the Sith. It's a pretty bleak period of time. You can't just wave the magic wand with any writer and arrive at a story that necessarily reflects what you want to feel, unquote. Um, so I know Zach is extremely down on the show just because of this little part. No, here. but uh, no, so why don't you go don't ahead and go? That. It's true though. You keep bringing that up. Well, so. you missed the next blurb. Army, yeah. Army of the Dead writer J- Joby, which Harold. is the uh, Zack Snyder one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the writer for uh, Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead for Netflix, writer Joby Harrell, was brought in to overhaul the scripts, working closely with series director Jeffrey Chow, uh, who directed two episodes of The Mandalorian, a little side part there. The two did full revamp of the show, with Chow saying that, quote, we inherited some of it, but we did really make some significant changes and add a few different elements, unquote. Uh, while the news of the scripts being sanitized may be disappointing to some fans, McGregor still thinks the show is dark enough. Quote, Obi-Wan is lost, he says. He's a broken man after what happened with the Jedi Order at the end of Episode 3, but also what would happen with Anakin, and that he lost him to the dark side. He feels an enormous amount of responsibility for that and guilt, unquote. Yeah, no, so I don't, I want to say this right away, like, I'm not down on the show. I am skeptical. I, I'm worried, is more so the, the thing, is that, like, I just think that, you know, you're right, like, you gotta think it take place in the time, like, fall of 2020 like we were still dealing with a lot of uncertainty with covid and productions were definitely being changed or considerably altered because of the pandemic yeah um my worry is you have this they had this idea it seems like i just don't i i it worries me when projects go through this many levels of changes to what the core concept was sure movie okay movie uh, uh, TV show. Uh, wh- okay, so TV show, but we need to change the tone a little bit. Okay, bring in Army of the Dead writer, which I think I even talked about. The de- Did you ever watch that movie? No, but you liked it. Right? I thought it was fun, but yeah. like not substantive in any way, shape, yeah. or form. That's like the most hollow. Is he fucking... the sole writer on the show? Uh, I think Zack Snyder had a hand in the writing. No, no, as no, well. on Obi Wan. Oh, on Obi Wan. No, it's him and Deborah Chow, right? Yeah. I think that they wrote. I thought he came in to punch things up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, the quote here was, early scripts were incredibly dark. The entire show was put on hold to adjust the tone. Uh, bring in new writers, craft a sunnier story. Yep. Sunnier story. Uh, I, I just, I can't help but feel, yeah, Army of the Dead writer was brought in to overhaul the scripts. Overhaul the script. These verb, this verbiage is just like. Yeah. Uh, this is also EW writing a story, so that sure, should be, so that should be yeah. taken with a grain of salt. There, um, the other things that have come out since this came out too is that the original script written by um, Amini uh, featured Darth Maul as the main protagonist or the main antagonist, I should say, as well as uh, appearances by young Leia and a lone wolf and cub style story where he's essentially hiding them from Darth Maul who's trying to hunt them as leverage against the Emperor. And the reason why I have a problem with that specifically yeah, that sounds shitty. is because A, that does, that's too much Darth Maul in Solo and stuff, but also that steps on what was already established in the animated shows, which is why I think Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni who are working next door on The Mandalorian were like, 
maybe let's not do that because then it's just going to be like retreading water. Yeah. So it makes sense. Like it, and it lines up timeline wise because it's like, so uh, you tease Darth Maul at the end of Solo. Why would you tease Darth Maul unless you're going to have him fight Obi-Wan in the Obi-Wan movie because they got unfinished business. You yeah, but I mean? their final confrontation was already on screen two years before in an animated show. Yeah, but where not Obi Wan kills him a year before. New yeah, Man. but the general public doesn't. Not the well, they should public. be allowed. Should be made to <laughs> the mainstream movie audience. Sorry, should, yeah. that does not know that happened. And that so, was like, what some people were worried about: is that they were going to reshoot that scene in live action. But that I think is also impossible because again, it's a year before a New Hope. You would have to age up Ewan McGregor to look like Alec Guinness. Which would look terrible. So, yeah, I think getting rid of Maul entire as much as I like Maul in the animated stuff, you know, obviously he's underserved in the prequels. We've talked about that at length. This, I think, is the right call to incorporate the Inquisitors as the villains. Yeah, of the thing and Vader and and Vader eventually. Yep. Yeah. No, I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm curious. I want to see how this shakes out. I'm just. I want to enter this thing with a healthy level of skepticism because sure. I just don't want to be. I don't want to be hurt. Get bobed again. I don't want to get bobed. <laughs> we all got bobed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a panther. Like a panther. So, uh, well, I, yeah. Well, we will. We'll see. We look forward to his career with great interest. Uh, just a couple, uh, not too long ago, May right? May twenty fifth. May twenty fifth. Two months from two now. Two months from now. Uh, keeping in the realm of Star Wars, uh, Christopher Lloyd of Back to the Future fame will be joining The Mandalorian Season 3. Uh, the Back to the Future actor is on the call sheet for Mandalorian, the Disney Plus Star Wars show that is currently filming its third season in Southern California. Character details for this role are being kept locked in a trunk of a DeLorean, but has been described as a guest starring in nature, and Lucasfilm cannot be reached for comment. So this kind of just follows in line with comedians being in The Mandalorian. I think this is a is a cool thing, but it is going to be a two-second, five, or a one-minute no, he, He'll role. be in one episode. He'll be like a, he'll be like a Amy Sedaris for an episode where it's like Mando's main contact somewhere. Who do you hope he is? A new character. Hope he's a Gungan. I, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't think that is right to put Christopher I'm, Lloyd I'm in any around. costume <laughs> that involves facial coverings. Here's here's what I hope he is. That man is 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 old, and you we need to it? preserve him as long as possible. You ready for this pitch? Sure. Baby Yoda opens up a portal, and Rick and Morty step through. But it's <laughs> yeah. it's it's a uh, it's Christopher Lloyd as as Rick and Marty McFly as Morty. So they could do something crazy here, which could be that maybe Christopher Lloyd is the Jedi Knight that rescues Grogu from the Jedi Temple in a flashback. That could be cool. He's maybe like, he's, he's Coyote like, Moondai. He's like, no, 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 just a new Jedi. Just a new Jedi. Maybe he's like Eno Cordova from Fallen Order, like that type of Jedi, where he's like very much like a scholar of the Force, not like not like a combatant. So he's like a guy who lives at the temple and studies things, and he's like, I'm gonna get this baby out of here, Morty. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we like Christopher Green guy, we gotta get this green guy out of here. Christopher Morty. Lloyd is Doc Brown, one of the most iconic pop yeah. culture characters of all time. I. I'm obviously thrilled that the amount of main, like, sorry, uh, big stars that they're able to pull in for tiny roles in The Mandalorian is entertaining, but sometimes it can be a little fleeting. So, like, let's just make sure that this episode is one of the ones that we remember fondly, like a Bill Burr character, not so much like, you know, Amy Sedaris. Right. Yeah, I, we'll see. 
I also think that just to put a cap on this, I do think it's interesting that they're still shooting this fucker. Like, I would assume this production would be close to wrapping. Um, it is probably close. I mean, uh, Kevin Smith filmed Clerks last fall, and David Klein, who shot every Clerks movie, is also the uh, director of photography on every man, on most every Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, they started filming last fall, so they're probably almost done. Moving on to one of our favorite actors, uh, Nicolas Cage's Unbearable Weight, which is a, a highly anticipated movie for me. Can't wait. Uh, gets a rare perfect Rotten Tomatoes score, a career best for Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage is getting some of the best reviews of his career for playing Nicolas Cage. Hmm. The actor's new comedy, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, currently has a rare 100% critic score on the aggregator site Rotten Tomatoes. The reviewer, fo- uh, sorry, the reviews followed the film's world premiere at the South by Southwest Festival on Saturday night in Austin, Texas. Shout out to Cal. Mm. Uh, as there are only 15 reviews so far, it's probable that the score will dip as more are added. But for now, it's the highest scoring film of the 170 Cage credited <laughs> titles on the site. In the film, Cage plays a fictionalized version of himself, who's offered a million dollars to appear at the birthday party of a mega fan played by Pedro Pascal. But the fan may not be as he seems, and Cage soon finds out that, or sorry, soon finds himself falling down a funhouse mirror rabbit hole of his past roles, eventually landing in a Cage-style action movie like Con Air, one of America's greatest films ever. I can't wait for this movie. It looked great. Uh, I am sure that the the score will dip. It's just funny, like that. Fifteen reviewers. That's it. That's how many people go to South by Southwest. I All this... Cage fans at, at, uh, <laughs> at uh, South by Southwest. I thought that there'd be more people at this film festival than fifteen critic reviews that published a Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> like, but regardless, Nicholas Cage playing Nick Cage in a movie with Pedro Pascal. Sold. Pedro Pascal, Demi Moore, Tiffany Haddish, Neil Patrick Harris, just to name a few. Yeah. Super stoked. Super I'm excited. Stoked. It looks awesome. The other movie that looks fun too is the uh, the movie with Channing Tatum, Brad Pitt, and Sandra Bullock. That's like the adventure movie. Have oh my seen? god! That trailer played before my. So that tra- the first time I saw that trailer, that poster is one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. It is the worst movie poster. Ever. It looks like the Uncharted poster. It looks worse. It looks way worse. It, it, it it's like nonsense. It's like there's like it's like they just barfed characters onto a poster with no like I don't know what this movie's about. But I saw the trailer for the first time, and it played in front of the Batman's Dolby presentation that I saw yep. in Cincinnati. Uh, I don't know about this flick, man. It looks what? so bad. So it's called The Lost City. Uh, it's it based comes, on like the romantic. It novel comes out author. this year. Yeah, it's 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 um it's about a romance novelist played by Sandra Bullock, who has her cover model played by Channing Tatum, and she gets sucked into this wild kidnapping thing that happens in a jungle. He goes to rescue her, but he's obviously a model and not actually an action star. Daniel Radcliffe is playing the villain and Brad Pitt's in it. I mean, Brad Pitt is in the movie. This seems like a movie that would have been going straight to Netflix. (laughs) I think that this movie will have a... It'll go gangbusters when it gets to streaming. Yeah. Um, And I'm looking forward to it because Sandra Bullock is uh, in my top five of uh, most beautiful women. Wow. (laughs) But that's besides the point. Alrighty then. Yeah. She's on the hall pass. Um, moving on to uh, Christopher Nolan's next film, which I haven't seen his last film, but <laughs> <laughs> Oppenheimer. 
this casting is getting crazy, Zach. Mm. Uh, so real quick, just to refresh you on Oppenheimer, it's based on the American Prometheus, a biography of J. Robert Oppenheimer, written by Kai Bird and Martin J. Sherwin. Killian Murphy will be portraying Oppenheimer, uh, the theoretical physicist who is among those credited with being the father of the atomic bomb for his role in the Manhattan Project, the World War II undertaking that developed the first nuclear weapons, which the United States used to end World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, this film is scheduled to be released next year, July 21st, 2023, in the U.S. by Universal Pictures. It's Nolan's first film not to be distributed by Warner Brothers Pictures following probably his falling out with the streaming release of Tenet. Uh, but 100%. Anyways, it's his first uh, non-Warner Brothers since Memento in 2000. Um, here's the casting. Yeah, and this cast list, before you dive into this, is has been slowly being trickled out over the course of a few months. Yes. So, so cumulative as of today. Yeah. Go ahead. Killian Murphy, J. Robert Oppenheimer. Emily Blunt as Catherine Kitty Oppenheimer. Matt Damon as Leslie Groves. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. as Louis Strauss. Let's stop right there. So that's that's your top four. Jesus. Then it gets Christ. Then it gets <laughs> then it gets better in my opinion. Florence Pugh, ayo, as Jean Tatlock, Rami Malek, your guy, uh, Benny Sadfi, Sad Safty, Safty, sorry, as Edward Teller, Josh Hartnett, haven't seen him in a while, as Ernest yeah, Lawrence, right. uh, Dane DeHaan. I don't like Dane DeHaan. Oh, I'm out on Dane DeHaan. <laughs> Uh, Jack Quaid, I'm all in on Jack Quaid though. Uh, Matthew Modine, Alden Ehrenreich, he's out on Alden Ehrenreich. Uh, <laughs> Kenneth Branagh, who is this is his what second Nolan movie after Dunkirk? Yeah, second. So he's he's becoming part of no the third. Is he in Dunkirk? Tenet? Tenet. I haven't seen Tenet. Oppenheimer. So is he? Is he's he, great. In is Tenet. he the new Michael Caine? Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Um, maybe. Yep. Yeah, maybe. Because they haven't announced him in this movie yet. Dave DeSmalchin, uh, Jason Clark, Josh Peck <laughs> as Kenneth Bainbridge. <laughs> this cast is bonkers. It's a lot of people. Absolutely That's bonkers. like the largest the, cast of any Nolan movie ever. The largest stacked cast. Like, sure. This is, this is probably the biggest stacked cast since Inception, right? Maybe. I mean, this might be the, mo- the highest, the most... High profile, big names in one single movie that I've seen in a long time. Since Jan Silent Bob reboot. Yeah, like cameos <laughs> aside, like movies like that, for sure, like cameos like that, like, uh, but like. Over uh, under. God. Over under three and a half hours. How long is this movie? No, I bet it comes in just shy of three. I bet it's like a two hour, 50 minute affair, 245, 250. Um,. I don't know. I'm stoked about this. I didn't like Dunkirk very much because I really like Chris Nolan when he's allowed to be a little bit more fantastical with his uh-huh. premises. I like his imagination. Tenet was awesome, but it was Christopher Nolan kind of reaching I think he you can I think he's getting tired of doing movies like this. Like I think that he He's pull, he's being pulled in two different directions. I think the fans of Nolan want him to do the next Interstellar or Inception, yeah. but I think that he himself wants to be the person to make the next uh, Doctor Strange Love. Like, I bet that Oppenheimer, if if it's not his last movie, it will be one of his last movies. Nolan, I think that this might be one of his last movies he ever makes, and I think that his goal is that he wants to make 
the next Citizen Kane, uh, Doctor Strangelove, like I said. Uh, was... Do we think he is capable of still making the next Citizen Kane? Because I have Christopher Nolan fatigue, which is why I haven't seen Tenet. Yeah, I, no, I definitely think that. I mean, he's a great director. Like, I, I, I'm not saying he's not great. I'm just saying, do we think he's capable of his best still? I because I think his best is behind him. I disagree, but I, I, I think that you're in a rare minority. I think a lot of people. Tenet was weird because they should have just sat on that movie. Like, if that came out in theaters now, like it would be such a bigger deal. Like, going to the theaters, actually doing it. Like, I, I, I didn't see tenant in theaters i was like fuck the theaters like i'm not i don't i it was before vaccines it was when we didn't really know what was going on with covid i was like fuck that i'm not going to the theaters i watched it at home i paid 25 bucks for it to own it i had a great time watching it at home but like that's a movie you walk out of and talk about with your friends because it's like it's so interesting and so well crafted like I think that you might be in a rare minority. I don't think that the general population is getting fatigue on his style of movies. I just think the Tenet kind of was a fucking disaster in terms of the marketing. I I don't know. I saw Dunkirk and I was not a fan. Me either. I, that's and his... I also, like, I know people love Interstellar, but I also don't think that that's his best work. Really? To me, Interstellar is his best work. <sighs> okay. We should have done a Nolan bracket is what we should have done. <laughs> Let me read you this run, though, real quick, because it is impressive. Memento, Insomnia, Batman Begins, The Prestige, The Dark Knight, Inception, The Dark Knight Rises, Interstellar, Dunkirk, Tenet, Oppenheimer. It's awesome. It's great. He hasn't made a bad movie as he's far like as a, so He's like, like on a Tarantino-type run, you know? Even um, Dunkirk, which I didn't love. I mean, I just don't like war fiction. Like, what, like This is going to be kind of like that, though. This is a historical fiction. But I think this movie is going to be a lot more, like, conversational. Like... What I didn't like about Dunkirk is that I think that Christopher Nolan's not t- p- particularly good with action. What? <laughs> the Dark Knight, Inception. Like, but like, look at the those dark... are some of the best action movies no, no, of no, all no, time. No, 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 no. Inception has awesome visual effects, but like, there's not like awesome choreography. Like he's fighting in a no, rotating no, no, no. room. That's a cool visual. That's action. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But then like. I, so, so what do you call three Batman back. movies where take he a kicks people's back. ass and throws Hold them off? Hold on a second. Lest us not forget You're that. You're coming in hot right Hold now. Hold on a second. Let me finish my point. All right. Don't don't hop in on this hot gravy train. Okay. Got to pour it over the mashed potatoes here. Pour it on the mashed potatoes. There's that scene in the Batman movies. I feel like Batman Begins has the best choreography or fight scenes and action. But like... Ever. Remember the Dark Knight where it's like, then you're gonna love me, and he just throws a punch, and and but then there's that rooftop scene in Dark Knight Rises where the two bad guys are like, and then they fall over. Like if you slow down that scene, you can just see the the extras, like the the bad guys, like they fall over with no punch or anything. Like, and Dunkirk is a war movie. There's like war happening and like gunshots and battlefields. Like Interstellar, there's no act. I wouldn't say that there's any act. The most action in that movie is like Matt Damon pushing someone down a hill pushing someone down a hill and then there's like but then there's the no but it's necessary which is like my favorite moment but uh-huh. I don't know like I don't think Christopher Nolan is not on the same level as someone like a like a uh, I don't know this is gonna be this is gonna be fucking heresy for maybe you to hear or whatever but like like um isn't it oh, John Watts? Isn't that his name? The guy that did the Homecoming trilogy? Mm-hmm. Like, 
the Marvel movies and those movies have excellent action choreography. Like, it's really easy to make that stuff on the green screen. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I I don't know. Whatever. We're falling deep down the rabbit hole. He yeah. had a rotating hallway. Yes, and that effect is cool, but it's all to service the effect of Joseph Gordon-Levitt falling down, running up, punching a guy. It's not like it's like a giant bombastic comic book movie with I'm a ton of action. I'm looking forward to our sequel bracket because I'm curious about like what your definition of like good action is now. Is your definition of good action like Spider-Man punching Doc Ock in the face? Like fights like that where it's like lots no. of movement and stuff like that or I don't know it just depends on how the action is executed uh, sure where how did we get here this wasn't the point that I was trying to argue <laughs> I know I how did we you. get here I attacked you we hard. were talking about you were asking me I'm telling you that I have Christopher Nolan fatigue but you said it because of something else you were like whatever I wasn't into Dunkirk is what and then I've been out since is what I told you and you were saying that you're worried that this movie's gonna be just more talking about stuff. More talking about stuff. Like Dunkirk. But Dunkirk had action in it. That, Not that really. I didn't it had think... planes shooting people running around. And that I didn't think was well done. I like, agree. I like the idea of this. This be- is about people making a bomb, but there's there's a huge cast, which yeah. means there's going to be some wartime shots. I don't right? think I don't think that there's going to be much the action. The people they haven't announced is like Ken Watanabe is probably going to be in this movie Maybe. too. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. I just Christian think, Bale. I mean, like, why I, not just bring everybody back? I agree. Marion Cotillard. I just like the idea of this movie being a a drama, an introspective, cool, well written, dialogue driven drama. Like I like. Then where's where did the visuals for Chris Nolan come into play? We'll see. I want to see how this trailer comes out. When you they, think when it's we, black and white? I would. I think it might be. I don't know if he'll do that. Uh, we'll see. I, yeah. Certain segments of it might be in black and white, but like, I got a feeling like this movie's just gonna be like a. How do I even? I'm I'm phrasing. I'm jumbling over my words. I've had a lot of whiskey, but in the same way that like Citizen Kane doesn't hold up a whole lot. It's a masterpiece and a and a and a beautiful movie, but it it, it is stuck in its era. They do some really clever stuff with the camera trickery, but it's a beautiful movie that is of its era. Same with Dr. Strangelove, where it's like, that's a movie I studied intensively in school, where it's like, the visual nature of that movie is strikingly gorgeous to look at. The problem is, it's also stuck in its time period. Imagine if you could, imagine if you could take that, that aesthetic and vibe and fill it with this cast and a script that's compelling and about a subject matter that is like devastatingly dark. Like, I, I think that this is a really intriguing premise for a movie and i do think that it's christopher nolan's attempt to make like his mark on the film world swan song his swan song yeah i think that he wants to make a movie that's not like oh christopher nolan where's the twist i think he wants to make a movie that's like a little bit more subdued even dunkirk like there was no twist or fantastical element but it was like still like an action movie well it was you know, the twist was that it had three separate timelines that converged. Sure, movies. and that's a cool storytelling twist, but it's like... It's okay, yeah. Um, I th- I remember thinking that that was cool. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> Christopher Nolan. I, I, yeah. the only Overrated? Thing I, no, I'm just kidding. The only, the only <laughs> thing I'll disagree with you on is I don't, like, I, I just... I definitely don't have Christopher Nolan fatigue. Every time he comes out with a new movie, I'm excited about it. I just think that he's a great... He's... 
a great storyteller that's given a budget to do crazy things like yeah you really need to see tenant like Okay. I, man, okay, okay, okay. When you finish Daredevil, it. you're like you you owe me so much for the things that I've watched, <laughs> and I've gotten nothing in return. <laughs> I will watch it though. I I will watch it before this movie comes out. I can promise you that. And I'm only gonna watch it now because it's got Rob Pat and and Denzel's son. So wow, so good. They're um, so good together. But my you didn't ask me what my favorite Christopher Nolan movie was, but that's okay. Mine is The Prestige for sure. And I wish he did more stuff like that. Huh. So if Oppenheimer's like that. I'm in. I can see it being like that. It's just not going to be as like... It's not going to be wizards battling each other. They're not wizards. They're (laughs) illusionists. Jesus, it's not Harry Potter. Anyway, we were both very excited for Oppenheimer, so we can continue to yell at each other about this for (laughs) for the years to come. Uh, Quick little update on our favorite conjoined film of the year so far, The Batman. <laughs> uh, so the Batman swoops in on 600 million worldwide, unflappable despite a tough break in China. Yeah, it's not doing well in China. Chinese people don't like the Batman. Never have. I don't know why. I don't know why. Uh, just days after Warner Brothers slash DC's The Batman rounded the five century mark globally, it is now just shy of 600 million worldwide in its third weekend. At a 49.1 million overseas frame, down 46% versus last session. Brings the international box office cumulative on Matt Reeves' directed pick to nine or 298 million, with a global standing at 598.1 million through Sunday. So, and now just to give an extra update, as of today, Tuesday, March 22nd, it's now just crossed 600 million, so it's at 602. Probably won't cross a billion. Nope, probably not. The question will be, why is it not crossing overseas in the way that Batman v Superman did? Maybe, uh, too long? maybe China just likes... Too long, maybe? Maybe too long. Maybe they like to... Maybe they like Martha? Maybe they think that's... <laughs> that's like their favorite American name? I don't know. Um, uh, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, China... I mean, this is still incredibly successful. It's, oh, it's, we'll, I mean... We'll warrant a sequel. Because what was the production budget of this movie again? $200 million. Yeah. So. Which is low for a movie of this caliber, but yeah. they put a lot of money into the cinematography to make not a whole lot look like a whole lot more. Greg Fraser, eat your heart out, baby. Let's go. It's a great fucking movie, man. Yeah. yeah. Batman's he, awesome. He had quite the year. Yeah. He might have back-to-back Best Cinematography Award noms, right? Between Dune and, Dune and the Batman. Yeah. I would say so. Yeah. If this doesn't get nominated for cinematography, this is like the best looking movie I've seen in forever. Maybe since Dune, honestly. Like <laughs> in, in three months. In three uh, months. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. right. It feel doesn't Dune feel like it came out forever? A ago? lifetime ago. Yeah. Um uh, I'll note this as well. It's n- now in the top ninety all time domestic box office movies of all time. Adjusted for inflation. Uh just for inflation. <laughs> but it's also um where was I gonna pull this up? Da, da, da. box office 2022 worldwide it's number two so uh it pa- it passed uncharted um which uncharted only settled run, like pittered out at around 337 million i thought it was gonna go way higher than that but nevertheless uh there's a movie that's above the batman that made 33 million dollars more than it can you guess what it is recently came out in 2022 it's the only other movie to beat the Batman this year for a movie that released this year. I don't know. It's called 
Cheng Jin Hu Zai Sui Men Kiao. Overseas, I'm assuming? Yes. Yeah. Only released overseas. Okay. $633 million. So they're seeing movies over there. Just not the bad movie. Just not the bad That movie must be awesome. If we're going <laughs> you should watch it. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, we are very proud of the Batman and look forward to talking about it as the future goes on. We're proud as Americans. <laughs> our last news topic before we take a break uh, and dive into some of our bracketology segments. Bracketology. Uh, Amazon, ever heard of it? Uh, heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> closed on an $8.5 billion acquisition. Billion with a B. With a B. Of MGM Studios. Uh, this pact was first announced last May and has been winding its way through the regulatory process. Per Amazon, quote, the storied near-century-old studio with more than 4,000 film titles, 17,000 TV episodes, 180 Academy Awards, 100 Emmy Awards, will com- complement the Prime Video and Amazon Studios' work in delivering a diverse offering of entertainment choices to customers. Uh, MGM, some of their greatest hits probably known to most would be things like Rocky, Creed, the James Bond franchise, Raging Bull, Silence of the Lambs, uh, Thelma and Louise, the Pink Panther, uh, and yeah, lots of others. You skip over my guy Robocop like that? Do you want me to read everything you wrote down? No, it's just Robocop. Robocop. <laughs> Come on, Robocop slaps, dude. Uh, on the TV front, this studio has also produced Fargo, the television adaptation, Handmaid's yeah. Tale, and Vikings, which has a large following. Fargo is awesome. Have you watched No, Fargo but I TV heard show? Ewan's great in this season. He's, he's awesome. In. Him and Mary Elizabeth Winstead, they're perfect together. That show is great. Oh, so they reunited for Harley Quinn. Interesting. They had hung out together. There's this, There's like a nude scene with Ewan and Mary Elizabeth Winstead in the second season what of Fargo. What do you mean a nude scene? Are they sleeping together or are they just both No, naked? they're sleeping together. Yeah. But you see her ass and part of his groin. <laughs> you see the grundle? <laughs> you see Obi's grundle. Hello there. Hello there. Yeah, um, so Amazon's just taking over the yeah, world. Yeah, so I mean, like, we talked about this a couple months ago when this was first in, but it's an official. Uh, all these properties are now, MGM's entire catalog is underneath Amazon. Um, so be on the lookout for the Bond streaming series on Apple TV. Yeah, so James Bond will, the next iteration of Bond, whatever it looks like, will either be an Amazon TV limited series or be an Amazon movie like, um, what was the Ben Affleck, the, not, Casey Affleck, what was that one? Manchester by the Manchester sea. by the Sea. It'll be a movie like that that go. That's like an Amazon produced movie that'll go. KCF like is Bond, James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Would you just shit yourself if KCF? I like KCF. Like they give it a shot. There's been a lot of shitty James Bonds out there. Let it be known. Sure. Um, but yeah, the only thing to say about the only question I wanted to end on for this is um, just a point of clarification. MGM MGM Studios used to be the Disney thing, right? Disney they had, a, they had a deal with Disney for a long time. So they had a deal with Disney, but it was an independent So like the, they released films that they partnered with Disney on to get made, kind of like Miramax and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, their, their theme park was called MGM Studios for the longest time. And then when that contract ran up, they just renamed it to Hollywood Studios. Yeah, because I went there. Like when I was a kid, I went to MGM. Did that with the only I've only been to Disney World once. It was I was in like third grade, fourth grade, mm, and it it's was still so much MGM Studios. I'm sure it would <laughs> blow my mind if I went now. The studios theme park now is literally like overrun with Toy Story and Galaxy. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say rats. <laughs> 
I don't know why that jumped in my mind. You're like, dude, it's literally overwhelmed with rats. <laughs> <laughs> They're eating. You can't catch them. <laughs> They're eating through the cotton candy and the pretzels. Jeez, that would be disgusting. That'd be terrifying. But yeah, that's the news. That's the news. Well, thank you, John, for running us through the news flashpoint. That was a that was a good one. That's I, a good discussion. I'm still I'm still <laughs> I'm still reeling from the Christopher Nolan argument. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> we'll do a. Uh, we should do a, a Nolan cast or whatever. Rank the Nolan movies, something like that. That'd okay. be fun. That'd be a fun experiment. It'd be tough. I feel like you and I have different Nolan tastes. Yeah, but that's not a bad thing. No, that's good. Differing opinions. Interstellar's in my top three. Does that make you feel better? No, yeah, no. It make me feel better. You can like whatever you want. If you said Interstellar was your least favorite Nolan movie, I'd be a little shocked, oh, but I'd be okay not with my it. least favorite. Dunkirk's my least favorite. <laughs> my least favorite's probably Hollow, fo- the following, or um, the Robert. Uh, sorry, not Robert. What am I thinking of? The Robin Williams one. Insomnia. Insomnia. Those are my two least favorite. Al Pacino. Pacino's good. Robert Williams is good. It's just they're they're very unremarkable movies. Well, we're gonna talk about Pacino in our next segment. So. <laughs> not that. One. Not that Pacino. <laughs> the the good one. You know, in my home. Where my wife sleeps, where my children play with their toys. All right, should we take a break? Yes, please. I need a refill. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Radiovania's Bracket Cast 2022, the prestigious and only awards show this side of the Mason Dixon. <laughs> That's right, everybody. It's March Madness time, and March Madness means what, John? Brackets. It means brackets. It means you put things that want to fight with each other up against each other and make them peck at each other like chickens. Yep. It's the ultimate which is better, would you rather, all that kind of stuff, culminating in what can only be dubbed as the best. The best of the best. In Radiovania history. We are making history tonight, people. That's true. We are making history. By the end of tonight, there will be two things crowned. On this podcast as the best of those craft. Mm. And one of them is going to be sequels, fantastic follow-ups. That's the bracket we're going to be doing first. And then later we're going to be doing best bevs, best beverages of all time. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Be a fun road. We're, we're Buckle in, for... in. You're in for a ride. Oh, the captain has turned off the <laughs> seatbelt sign. It means you're not free to move about the cabin. Someone did he turn it on? <laughs> turn it on fast as he feels. That means you're not free to move around the cabin. Uh, that's right. March Madness is here, so we're going to do fantastic follow-ups. John, the parameters for this, uh, you and I came together with half-and-half uh, half picks between the two of us for sequels. And that is sequel sequels, as in we were very strict about this. So yes. it is literally the follow-up movie to another movie in a franchise. That is not a prequel. That is not a prequel. So, for instance, Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back is on this list. It is the sequel to A New Hope. Correct. The first Star Wars movie ever made. Exactly. Yes. However, something like Avengers Infinity War or Endgame is not the sequel to Avengers. The sequel to Avengers would be the second Avengers movie, which is Age of Ultron. Correct. In the Avengers series, there are four films, so we have to go with the second one, which is Age of Ultron. Yeah. The the only leeway that we gave in this entire bracket is 
the MCU as a film franchise. It's a universe. Correct. But Iron Man 2 is a sequel to Iron Man, exactly like Avengers 2 is a sequel to Avengers. Correct. They take place in a universe, but they are sequels to that specific franchise. So... Uh, what's a, what's an example? I mean, the Star Wars example might be the most pertinent. So, The Last Jedi couldn't have been nominated for this. Even though The Last Jedi is the second installment in the sequel trilogy yeah. of Star Wars. That it's is not, episode 8. It is 8. It is it is also like the 10th Star Wars movie that exactly. was released. Exactly, right. Like, these we're are going ideally, by release order. These release are order. ideally, like, if you break down a singular story, it's the second installment in that story mm-hmm. overall. And so... We uh, we have we, the other thing we broke this down by is we also did seeding for these based on their Rotten Tomatoes critic scores. So which is subjective. Exactly, that's right. So some of these might not necessarily reflect our opinions, but the number one seed was blah 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 with the highest Rotten Tomatoes score and Toy the Story two. and the lowest was the lowest re- reviewed Rotten Tomatoes. Bad score. Boys too. Yeah, right. <laughs> so. That is how the bracket's set up. There might be some contention, but we are going to figure this fucking thing out. I'm excited. This is this this is, I think, one of my best ideas. This is a good <laughs> idea. No, I love it. Um, how do you want to start? I think we start at the top, work our way down. Okay, so Does that sound good at the top of our bracket. Yeah, we could alternate if you want. Like you could. Sure, you go first. Okay, so. Starting for the best sequels, the best of the best follow-up movies, the movies that continued the legacy, the movies that had to follow the first, by definition. Yep. Here's where we are. Here's where we're at. Round one. Round one. We have number one seed, Toy Story 2, with a 100 review score on Rotten Tomatoes up against Bad Boys 2. A favorite of ours. A favorite of ours. Otherwise, it wouldn't be on the bracket. Love the franchise. The other thing we should say before we move on is it had to be a sequel Zach and I had both seen. Exactly. That's There a great, were a couple yes, of them that came you. up that Zach hadn't seen and vice versa. Yeah. So, like, John hadn't seen, uh, oh, gosh, what Incredibles 2 was a pick that I wanted sure. to put on there, but John hadn't seen the sequel. Uh, Lethal Weapon 2 was one that you wanted to put on here, but I've never seen anything Listen, past the Lethal first Weapon Lethal Weapon 2 would have made a run. Let's just be honest. You would like that movie. Yeah. I, I, well, Mel Gibson. But, yeah, you know, it happens. I mean, hey, you got to look at the art, not the artist sometimes. But uh, a fantastic movie. Uh, so, yeah, number one seed, Toy Story 2, up against Bad Boys 2. John, is there really much of a discussion here? All love to the Bad Boys franchise for what it is. I think we gotta respect the Toy Story 2 as one of the great representations of making a sequel that could possibly surpass the first one, if not definitely does. In my opinion, my hot take is I do like this better than the first Toy Story movie. There's elements about Toy Story 2 I like more than the first one. I still think the first one is a more complete, start-to-finish, contained story than the second one. The second idea of a sequel, though. I know. That's the thing, is that, like... And I don't even want to talk... We don't have to talk about the first installments in these or the the sequels to these movies eventually, but it's like... Toy Story 2, when you look at the franchise together... I've still never seen Toy Story 4, but... Good movie. um, Toy Story 2 is my least favorite of the trilogy. Of the first three. Of the first three. That being said... It's still better than Bad Boys 2. It is still better than... I mean, hey, let's talk about Bad Boys 2 for a second. Yeah. Fun as fuck action movie. One of my favorite scenes when the guy comes to pick up the daughter for the date. Yes, that is the funniest shit ever. Martin Lawrence in that movie is so good. Yeah. Um, 
Did you ever get to see Bad Boys for Life? No, it's on my list. Yeah, me too. I, I love the Bad Boys movies. It's actually like Michael Bay's best work. <laughs> I would agree with that, yeah. honestly. I mean, like, there's not... Uh, yeah, I mean, he kind of peaked with those movies. Like, that that cemented his style. Yeah, like that and Armageddon. Armageddon, that's true, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, I also didn't hate Pain and Gain. Oh, yeah? Marky Mark? Marky Mark, yeah. And, and The Rock. Well, Hobbs, baby. Don, Dwayne Hobbs. But yeah, Toy Story 2 wins. I... I... But let's let's make a stand here before we move forward. There, the bracket gives us a chance to put in a score. Do we want to score these movies as well as? Because I can click the winner, but I can also give them a score, like a sure. point score, like in basketball. Sure. Do we want to just give a consensus score really quickly and move past? These don't have to be firm and 200 true. Two hundred to zero. <laughs> <laughs> just dunks on them. Yeah. Do you uh, want to do? You this mean one? like rating? You yeah, like the twenty them? point scale. Or for this, we probably can't. Do Out of a hundred. Yeah, that's probably true. We okay. can't do the 20 I'd give scale. Toy Story 2 a 95. 95? I'll, uh, you know, no argument. I will second that. I will give it a 95 as well. And Bad Boys 2. I'm going to give it a 55. A 55, really? Mm-hmm. I was going to say like a 60, but. Okay. Do it. You want to go high? This is, this is your round, so. Toy Story 2 moves on in the bracket. All right. Uh, next up, we have our 17th seed versus our 16th seed. Uh, 17th, we have X2 X-Men United with a Rotten Tomatoes of 85% versus another Marvel property from the MCU, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, also with an 85%. This is a good fight. This is a great fight. Because this is your Villanova Gonzaga right this here. Is, <laughs> this, is, this is great because... Uh, we're going to get to duke it out, because I think we each have a favorite here. Oh, no. Are you picking X2, X-Men United? I'm saying it's possible. Tell me why Tell me why not. Give me your argument against X2. Uh, I mean, I don't want to come at it from a negative perspective, but I, I'll just say I think that Guardians of the Galaxy, th- that series, those two movies, and the sequel especially, is just so imaginative and fun, and it, it's well-written, and there's high intensity action but there's also great emotional character stuff everything with Yondu and with Peter and his dad Mary Poppins y'all the sister relationship with Gamora and Nebula the but the visuals of the movie too like I mean this is another one of those things where you're talking about movies that came out close to a decade apart like maybe even more X2 is what 2002 2002 I'm gonna look that up Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 I'm gonna say 2017 17 the best movie year of all time in recent years 2017 was a good year but we had Homecoming Ragnarok Guardians 2 Wonder Woman Logan Last Jedi that's just and Blade Runner 2049 (sighs) that's a good year it was a great year but yeah my my argument for Guardians of the Galaxy beating out X2 um, it's it's it, this is a close one. Like I said, like I, I definitely think that there's pros, but X two has some problem problematic movie stuff in terms of like there's some characters that are just not great in that the acting doesn't really hold up for a lot of the other supporting characters. Jean Grey is not great. I know you like Famke Jensen. I don't like Famke Jensen's portrayal of Jean Grey. She's I don't, not my favorite part of the movie, but I think that this is her best at bat. In the X-Men trilogy. Sure. I. Yeah, I also just... The movie just is... It is... Plus, Famke Jensen has to play Mystique disguised as Famke Jensen in that movie. Oh, wow, yeah. Double Oscar, trouble. Give her the Oscar. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, uh, I mean Wolverine is great. Patrick Stewart is great as always. McKellen is, is always great. Flames. Uh, uh, Strikers. Brian awesome. Cox as William Stryker. Yeah. Um, Terrifying villain. Yeah, it's a cool movie. There is some weird stuff in it. Stuff that doesn't age super well in terms of the characters. I really don't like the young X Men in the movie. Like. Bobby Rogue. and Rogue. You don't like Sean Ashmore? Eh, not really. What about Pyro? <laughs> not really. <laughs> what about... <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Um, I, I just think that, you know, Guardians has so... X-Men 2 has cool stuff with Hugh Jackman, but I just think the heart, the action, the visuals, and the acting, and the script in Guardians just completely overshadow X2 in okay. almost every facet, for me, personally. So... X2, I'm going to give you a little backstory. Not too much, because I don't want to belabor the point, because we got a whole bracket to do. X2 is actually, like, maybe one of the first two or three PG-13 movies I ever saw. Right. And it just felt so metal to yeah, watch right. that by myself without, like, supervision, right? And I was, like, super into it. I also share a love of those first X-Men movies with my dad. And I remember him and I watching X2 a lot when he'd come back. Um, and it was, I don't know. I love X2. I agree with the the things that you're saying. I'm also in the camp that Guardians 1 is better than Guardians 2. And not, that's not what we're comparing here. But in my opinion, I think that Guardians 2 does a little bit too much of the spreading out without focusing on some of the central characters. Again, I love both of these movies. I'm actually going to give them close to the same score. Um, but my votes for X2... Uh, and we should tell people about our tiebreaker. Uh. Our tiebreaker is my uncle. <laughs> but my uncle is unbiased. Even though I am a blood relative of him, he seems to have it out for me. Uh, so there will be times where he won't necessarily agree with me. So he is considered to be an unbiased third party. Uh, friend of the podcast. Shout out to Cal. Um, I've, already, Cal. I've already sent him this because I knew we were going to be hung on it. And he's already responded. And he is siding with you. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 wow. wins this round. Wow, Cal. Wow. So what do you... Uh, I'm going to give X2 a 70. X2 a 70. I will... I'll second that as well. Um, I, I, I mean... So we give Guardians an 80? Yeah, I was going to say, like, to me, Guardians is in that upper echelon. Like, I really do you, think You that, do like it a lot more than the first one. I just uh, think When that, we're talking about just, like, ranking the, the comic book movies. Yeah, Guardians yeah. 1... Again, we don't want to talk too much about this, but Guardians 1... I think is such a special movie because it sets such a great tone and the first half of guardians one is like 10 out of 10 it's really only the second half of that movie that it starts to like and eh, get a little bit and eh, giant space battle and eh, there's a villain that i don't really care about what i like about guardians 2 is that it expands the world and i really like the emotional beats of the characters the that scene with peter and his and his dad like with the whole like I put a tumor in your mom's head or whatever. It's like, I really, that was a really fucking shame or whatever. And then like all the stuff with Yondu, it's like, I'm, I cry at the end of that movie every time. Like he might've been your dad, but he, he might've been your father, but he wasn't your daddy. Like, I mean, you're shit, also, that the, shit like the best, your heart out. the best scene in both guardians movies is the, the prison breakout. In two, yeah. Come a little bit closer. Nah. You complete Yeah. <laughs> and all the bodies just falling. Oh man. Yeah. I, I, I love two. I just think that two has, it, it feels like more mature. It really does feel like the Empire Strikes Back of the Guardians movies. I, like it's definitely also like top four most violent MCU movies. Totally, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And that is the that's the one that seems like they gave James Gunn a little more leeway. Obviously, not as much as the Suicide Squad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. I love both of these movies. It's a tough pick for me. I just 
love X too, but I, I will honor the the rules of the the game, and uh, I'm happy that Guardians is moving on. Yeah, and also shout out to the Southern Knights scene, which is one of my favorite scenes, which yeah. is like rocket jumping around and then getting the explosives and then the, the ravagers coming up and then flying down and there's that pan wide shot I mean is the bodies coming is up this where that. I say that rocket raccoon is my favorite avenger that's yeah. because it is the fact uh, so we're gonna give it an 80 I'd probably go even a little higher than an 85 but I'll Do it. with an Fuck 80 it. you yeah. wanna go with 85 sure right. this really these scores are mean they don't Nothing. mean they don't mean anything yeah uh, alright so next up we have our number nine seed, Spider-Man 2, with a 93% critic score on Sam Rotten Tomatoes. Raimi's. Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2 versus Iron Man 2 uh, with a 72%. Uh, this one might be easy. This is where we had to start reaching for sequels that aren't atrocious. But I do think it's easy, like all respects to the beginning phase of the MCU trying to find its footing. Uh, as enjoyable as it is to throw Iron Man 2 on when you have a hangover, you know what's more fun? Is to make a breakfast burrito and watch Spider Man Two, yeah, baby. Yeah. So, I think we, I think we easily agree that it's Spider Man Two. Unanimous, yeah. Spider Man Two, and I would even go to, as far to say that this is either a ninety five or, or not a ninety five, an eighty five or a ninety. I'm gonna give it a ninety. You give it a ninety, and I would give Iron Man Two what I've always given it, which is a sixty. Sixty, wow. I'd go a little bit higher. I'd say it's like a seventy, but we'll can we sell it sixty five? I'll I'll accept. <laughs> I think Iron Man 2 gets a lot of hate. It's better than Iron Man 3. Justin Hammer's awesome. Mickey Rourke is fun. I call it Uncle Gaspacho or Puff the Magic Dragon. I really like Don Cheadle stepping into the role as Rhodey. I, I love... First Black Widow. First Black Widow appearance. I really like Happy Hogan in the movie is really funny. Like, I don't know. The movie's just entertaining. At the time, I was so bummed out because it wasn't what I wanted from an Iron Man sequel. But looking back on it, I feel like we're able to be like, ah, well, it does a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah, sure. So... Um, our fourth little bracket matchup here is our number 25 seed back to the future part two uh versus quite possibly one of the best sequels of all time our number eight seed terminator 2 judgment day can you real quick read the rate the rotten tomatoes critic score for back to the future part two yeah i'll i'll, I'll pull this up real quick i've got it set right oh here. just the score Sorry. The, the critic score 64 64 that's harsh. That's criminal. <laughs> I think all three of those movies have a have a hard cap at 70. Sure. I think the third one's the worst one. Yes. But like 64? Six, Back to the Future 2 has one of the most interesting things, which is Marty watching Marty from the first yeah. movie. <laughs> and all the stuff with Biff and like... The sports almanac, which yeah. is literally like in the vernacular... I love um, Back to the Future. I mean, I, I don't. It showed 2015, slow. right? So we got all those future jokes with hoverboards and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I unbiasedly like. I think Back to the Future as a trilogy actually like gets a lot of shit undeservedly. I think it's I like there's a lot of trilogies out there that have like terrible endings to them, and I think Back to the Future three, while it's the worst of the three, still ends on a note where I'm like, you know what? I had fun. You know what exactly. I mean? Yeah. Same with like watching Indiana Jones and stuff like that. Obviously, Indiana Jones is, is probably better, but yeah, I don't know. I think that that is really low. We'll definitely bump up the score, but I don't think it beats T two. I know. I agree. Yeah. So I think, I think we unanimously agree on that as I'll, well. I'll agree with that as well. Yeah. I think T two. I think T two. Let's save some it. of our T two talks to the later rounds. That's fine. I think T two takes it, but I do want to just shout out. I think Back to the Future Part Two is so fun. It is like. At this point, like, I, I don't know. It's a nostalgic movie for me. I remember watching this shit on VHS. Like, 
it's just a cool movie. Like, it's a nostalgic movie. The vibe of it is cool. Like, the future aspect. I, and I just love the relationship between Marty and Doc, Doc Brown. Like, yeah. And I love the Biff character in this movie. They I, recast, the Almanac is cool. Uh, they recast Marty's girlfriend uh, as Shannon Elizabeth Shue. Elizabeth Shue, yeah, that's right. One of my first crushes. Yeah. So, Back to the Future Part Two with a 64 on Rotten Tomatoes. Criminal. Absolutely criminal. I would give it, like, I don't know, 75 or an 80. I go seventy five. You go seventy five, and yeah. then T two. I mean, like ninety five. I'd go a little lower ninety, but I'm just not a huge Terminator guy. I think Terminator two is kick ass, <laughs> but as a franchise, so good. as a franchise, yeah. it's like you will be mine. I'll I'll let this one slip through the cracks for you, and I'll give it a ninety five. Yeah, we can we can rehash it. As How about ninety three? Sure, because it'll let me do that. Okay. <laughs> Um, all right, you're up. With actually the wait, was I up? I thought I was the one that. I just did T two. You did T two. Okay, so next up, we have our number five seed, The Dark Knight, uh, with a ninety four critic score on Rotten Tomatoes versus Dead Man's Chest, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, with a fifty three. Also too low. Uh, Also way too low. I want to say this. Gore Verbinski gets a lot of shit. Great stylized director, in my opinion. Dead Man's Chest is my favorite of the Pirates movies. That's hot. That's hot takes dude, right there. Davy Jones, my dude. Davy Jones. Sure. I love the, what they did with the Bill Nye's character and the intro is so cool. All the stuff on the island with the wheel and the 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 uh, man. The music in the second one is awesome. I love uh, where they take Norrington's character and I Beckett. like and yeah Cutler Beckett. Uh, Gosh, the second I love Dead Man's Chest. I love the cliffhanger ending, like Will and Bootstrap on the Dutchman, the Liars Dice scenes. Oh my god! So tell me, what's become of my ship? Davy Jones. And I remember in the theater being like, <gasps> "What? Barbosa's yeah. back!" One like, of the best cliffhangers. Oh, such a good cliffhanger ending, uh, dude. Davy Jones' entry on oh, the Dutchman awesome. when they've captured everybody, including Will. So awesome! And he lights the pipe with the tentacles. Yeah. He does like the puffs and he just starts talking to everybody and he's like choking them with the crab claws and stuff. It's terrifying. And the best <laughs> the, the best CG ever. Maybe one of the best one I of think the I best Gollum. Sure. Davy Jones. Caesar. Thanos. Caesar. Caesar over Thanos. Caesar Thanos. Yeah. But I don't know, dude. Like that Davy Jones CG holds up still. I watched Dead Man's Chest not too long ago. Like I watched the whole trilogy. Like, did it win an Oscar? I'm gonna look it up. I'm sure I know it was won nominated. Effects Oscar of some kind. But man, I, I just underrated movie. I think that the Pirates trilogy in general, I think, is a little underrated. I agree. I, I mean, they get on. the At World's End gets really silly, but even that movie, I loved. I just think that I, four. I love At World's End. At World's End's awesome. It gets silly, but like at four, just absolutely put a dick right in the butthole of that franchise like I think that if that fourth movie never came out people would look back on those movies more positive Dead Man's Chest won the Oscar for Best Achievement in Visual Effects good for them deservedly so yeah um okay cool I mean I love it I don't think it beats The Dark Knight no but not a chance it is I not think a chance I love <laughs> I love giving it it's due I do think it is actually a worthy sequel I know there's a lot of people that don't like it but I don't understand why but uh Wait until our Pirates of the Caribbean in review when Zach go on Zach and I go on a vacation to the Caribbean Honestly, and record dude, all five episodes. That would be such a fun series. From a bungalow. It would only be five it would be five weeks. 
yeah. the worst week would be week four. Sure. Like, I don't know. That trilogy is just... It's such, it is the perfect action-adventure, swashbuckling adventure. I, I don't know. I, I love the Pirates movies. I I'm mean, jo- Johnny oh. Depp in his bag. Uh, Before he became a knight. My favorite Orlando Bloom over Legolas. I think Will Turner... He's is, given more of a character. Will Turner is a fantastic character. Keira Knightley, amazing. Where I left you. Uh, Not where I Barbosa left you. <laughs> and Davy Jones are very compelling villains. Yes, And Barbosa's also wonderfully awesome. acted by these insanely talented British actors that they convinced to hang out in the Caribbean for know, a summer. Right? Uh, Mr. Gibbs. I mean, I mean, Zach and I's friendship is born out of being Mr. Gibbs and Jack Sparrow. That's true. So. <laughs> Wait, which one am I? Am I... You're definitely Jack Sparrow. I'm Jack Sparrow. Oh yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, I'll take it. I'm on, I'm on the sinking ship, saluting as I get off the dock. R- roped a couple of sea turtles. Yeah, sea turtles, Mike. Yeah, Good Dead Man's shit. Chest, underrated, but uh, I would, I, I'd land. I mean, I'm, I'm high on this movie, but I'd give it like a 75 or an 80. I'll give Dead Man's Chest an 80, and I'll give Dark Knight a 95. Actually, no, wait, I have to stay consistent with my comic book pot. It's a hundo. <laughs> Honestly, in this case scenario, I will agree with you. I, I give it a hundred. Yeah, I think it's a it's damn near perfect movie. We'll talk about that later. But all right, you're staying up. in Gotham City. We have an interesting matchup. This here. is an interesting matchup. Batman Returns, the 1992 Tim Burton classic, uh, following up the Michael Keaton 1989 Batman movie, uh, and Ten Cloverfield Lane, which is a backdoor sequel, but still a sequel to Cloverfield. Um, Two really interesting movies. And I would yeah. say utterly rewatchable movies, too. I obviously Not so much for me for 10 Cloverfield Lane. I don't think it's a very rewatchable movie just because it's so anxiety-inducing. It's heavy. It's That's heavy true. flick. But well shot. Um, oh, my God. The well production. acted. Yeah. The cabin fever type oh setting gosh, of it yeah. is great. Just the level of dread that they're able to make with that movie was yeah. unparalleled. I was a nervous nightmare. I should that say that 10 Cloverfield Lane is our 12 seed with a 90% fresh on yeah. Tomatoes. And Batman Returns is our 21st seed with an 80%. Uh, Batman Returns is, let's take not having Jack Nicholson and amp it up with Christopher Walken. Danny DeVito is the Hangman. Shrek. And uh, Michelle Pfeiffer is Catwoman. Uh, yeah. Christmas movie, technically. It's on my Christmas rewatches every year. Also starring Pee Wee Herman. Don't forget about that. Of course. Christmas in Gotham. Um, I'm a big fan of Batman Returns. That's going to be my vote. I would vote for 10 Cloverfield Lane. But All right. Let me text Cal uh, while um, you talk about 10 Cloverfield Lane. Yeah. Let me just say real quick that, like, yeah, what you can text Cal, but um, Batman Returns is a great movie. It's a really fun movie. Uh, but this is one of those situations where these seeds kind of don't really work together because 10 Cloverfield Lane is what I would describe as like an art house film and Batman Returns is a comic book movie. Like 10 Cloverfield Lane is a really well done independent drama. Like it's a character study about these people and it's shot in one location. It's all focused about the dialogue and the, the intenseness of the environment i mean cal's gonna vote batman returns but i mean so I, mean, I know i'm in the losing battle here but this is one of those situations where i just think these picks don't match up at all because like sure 10 cloverfield this is, lane this is the, the the risk that we ran with right. doing it this way 10 but Clover- it is arbitrary yeah so, that's so i'm totally fine with batman returns advancing but 10 cloverfield lane is just a in my opinion so much better crafted as a film batman returns might be more entertaining um 
I also think that Batman Returns kind of loses points for me as being a not-so-good follow-up to Batman 89, which I think is a vastly superior film. Um, They're at war in my mind, honestly. I love both of them so much. Batman Batman 89 with the Joker and the Prince soundtrack and the key... I even think... Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. I think that Gotham looks better in 89, too. Oh, I disagree. I think the snow... I think the snow in Returns makes Gotham that... uh, like that German like industrial era type I stuff. I think it makes it pop like a comic book panel. Yeah, but I don't know. Again, like we there's this one is one of those where I don't think there's much of a discussion because it's like they're really it's really this is an apples and oranges comparison because it's like it's like it's like putting up uh, I don't even fucking know. It's like it's like it's like it's it's like comparing. Uh, Django Unchained and The Hateful Eight. Oh, that's a good comparison. Where one of them might be more entertaining, but I think that the other one might be a more well-crafted, harder-to-make, dramatic film. Django Unchained is a pulpy action... Hateful Eight also filmed in one location. Yeah, so it's like... I don't know. I'm fine with Batman Returns moving on. This is one of those weird situations where I would rate 10 Cloverfield Lane higher than it despite the fact that it it, it can't, it's not going to move on. Okay. You know? Sure. But, uh, that really is good what, movie. That is I, what Cal I, voted for as well as Batman Returns. Is Batman Returns. Yeah. Has he seen 10 Cloverfield Lane? I think so. Oh, really? Okay. Because that would be interesting if he's voting blind. <laughs> I mean, he's the third party. He's so. the third party. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alright, so what would you give Batman Returns? I think in 80 on Rotten Tomatoes is interesting. I wouldn't go that high. But I like it at an eighty. Okay. If eighty, if Batman eighty nine is like an eighty five, I like Batman Returns. It so then I'm gonna pull a buzzer beater here and give Ten Cloverfield Lane a seventy nine. Okay, that's fine. Because I would give Ten Cloverfield Lane maybe an. I honestly or would just give them both eighty. A tie game. I don't know if the but bracket one moves will on. Do that. Oh yeah, it will let me do that. Okay, Batman Returns moves on. Tie game. Well done, Cloverfield Lane. You fought hard. Like, fought hard, but you lost to you Michael lost. Keaton, baby. To the Keats. Yeah. All right, you're up. Okay. Oh, I get to do this one. That's fun. Okay, so next up is our number 13 seed, which is James Gunn's The Suicide Squad and a 90 critic score on Rotten Tomatoes versus Chamber of Secrets, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. This uh, goes to the Suicide Squad. There's no debate here. I agree. Chamber of Secrets is a fun movie. It's too long. It's a great adapt- so long. <laughs> it's a great adaption of the book in terms of like actually including pretty much everything from the book. However, it is the visual effects do not hold up. The Suicide Squad is one of the most original movies constructed for popular culture. So yeah, agreed. I would give the Suicide Squad what I've been giving it, which is a ninety-five, and I would give Chamber of Secrets a seventy. I'm right there with you, Big Daddy. Cool. Uh, so I have another easy, a little throw the cheese down the middle. Yeah. Uh, 29, our seed here is Tron Legacy uh, versus our number four seed, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. My favorite Lord of the Rings movie, so I'm glad that we get to do sequel talk here. Yeah. Um, two Towers by a Landslide? <laughs> I would go 100, I'd go to 100 to 60 in terms of the score. I would go a little higher for Tron Legacy. The things that elevate that movie to me are the Olivia visual effects. Wilde. 
Uh, sure, Olivia Wilde's amazing. But the visual effects of Tron Legacy are still are cool. The only thing that doesn't hold up is the de-aging of James... Uh, Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. We didn't quite know what we were doing there at that time. We were still figuring shit out. But the yeah. thing that elevates Tron... This is one of those only movies that really does this for me is the soundtrack. The Daft Punk original score. It is really cool. And, is I, and a we should, fucking banger. I should say I like Tron Legacy more than Tron. And I have seen yeah, me both. Too. Um, that might be a little millennial pick for us. But I think that that movie is utterly entertaining. And uh, I agree. I'm actually disappointed that Disney did not capitalize on it. It didn't have a good box office return. It came out. The it year, flopped, yeah. It came out literally months after Avatar. Avatar was still in the theaters, just yeah. cleaning house. Um, so I just think it just got swept under the rug. But I agree. Love Tron Legacy. The light bike sequence, amazing. So cool, yeah. Um, I really I mean, like the like, disc fights. The, what, the scene that really always grabs me is when he gets transported first and you see that giant helicarrier thing like pick the people up. I was like, man, that looks really good. Yeah. And then a couple minutes later, it's like Jeff Bridges with a jelly mouth. He looks like Superman's mouth in Justice League. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, that looks terrible. But Daft, I, I, I just want to double down on this, man. The Daft Punk score. If you've not ever listened to that soundtrack out there, any of you guys, pop that shit on Spotify while you're going for a run or on the treadmill and get ready to get hard and get some cardio in at the same time because <laughs> that shit slaps. Yeah. I would give Tron Legacy a 75 or an 80. <sighs> Two Towers, 100. I said I'd give it, what, a 65? I think he says 65. That's, I mean, that's low. I'll give, I'll it, s- I'll give it 70. Can we settle with a 72? Sure. Hey. <laughs> All right, I'm up. Yeah, you're up for the one that I wanted <laughs> to talk about, but that's okay. All right, Godfather 2, our number three seed at a 96% critic score versus National Treasure 2, our number 30 seed at a 36%. Yeah, I, uh, I feel like I need to save my Godfather 2 thoughts unless you somehow think National Treasure 2 is, no. is your book. No. <laughs> Okay. No, this is a this is one of those hard ones. This is like, I don't know. This is like Wichita University, Wichita State State University going up against Duke. Wichita State gives them more for their money. Or wait, but when it comes down to it, one's a, one's a historic. Range. This is like Peninsula High School <laughs> going up against Duke. There you go. There you go. And it's like, oh, it's like ah, Peninsula. They're cool. They they got some cool things about them. They got Nicolas Cage, they're funny, they're hanging out, but as much as I like National Treasure 2, there's absolutely no way that you can say it's better than The Godfather. Yeah. 100 to 50? I would go lower than 100 for Godfather 2, but I will not fight that battle. You're going to have to at some point (laughs) tonight, so... I don't care about the scores on this bracket. We're just doing this to see where the scores line up at the end of it. Okay, you're next. Uh, so we have Deadpool 2 at an 84% versus Blade Runner 2049 at an 88%, which I think is criminally low on the Rotten Tomatoes standard. Oh, yeah, for Blade Runner, that's way too low. Zach and I are both potentially in the unpopular opinion of most with liking Blade Runner 2049 more than the Ridley Scott original. Um, this is easy for me. I, Deadpool 2 is, an, is a fun movie. Um, yeah. but Blade Runner 2049 is like it's so cool it's just so cool like it's well constructed it's so well crafted it's well acted Roger Deakins just like in his bag at the cinematography 
Harrison Ford giving such a, like a, a really cool, still gruff Harrison Ford, but actually like dramatic performance. And like, what more can be said about the guys? Like the guys just like it was great. Just like clear the lane so you can just dunk from the free throw line in that movie. Yeah, maybe we'll talk about Blade Runner two further later down the line. But yeah, I want to say for Deadpool two, like for the movies that aren't going to pass forward, like Deadpool two, so funny. Like, I think that. This is another one of those things that frustrates me is because I think that Deadpool 1 is better. I think Deadpool 2 has one scene that Deadpool I... Deadpool 1's definitely better. I think Deadpool yeah. 2 has a scene that I laugh at harder than anything in Deadpool 1. Is it which the baby is, penis? No, it's Task Force X when oh, they all get yeah. killed jumping out of the plane. Yeah. That is the hardest I laughed in the theater. Top 10 hardest movie theater laughs is that whole sequence. Yeah. Um, but Deadpool 2 is a little bit unfocused and unstructured. Uh, I also really like the ending where he's like keeps dying and he sure, like, keeps yeah, coming back. And, well, no, he keeps like dying, but uh, then he comes back to like keep yeah. saying a speech. I don't know. It's the funny moments in that movie that really get me. I also Zazie think Beats is great. Zazie Beats is really good. I also think Josh Brolin's really really cool as Cable. Yep. I it bums me out that we're probably never gonna see him in those never again. movies again. Um, nope. But yeah, Blade Runner twenty forty nine advances. Uh, I don't know about you, my friend, but I would get Blade Runner twenty forty nine like either a 90 or a 95 give it a 90 Deadpool 2 I'd settle somewhere around a 75 that sounds great cool alright you're up uh, interesting matchup this is an interesting matchup um, so next up we got our 11th seed Dawn of the Planet of the Apes uh, the Matt Reeves directed film with a 90% critical review on Rotten Tomatoes up against Dr. Sleep, our 22nd seed with a 78% critic reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, this is an interesting matchup. Um, very different styles of movies. Um, yep. Where do you sit? Mike Flanagan versus Matt Reeves, probably two of some of the best directors right now um, in their craft. Yeah. Seriously. I'm going to go with Planet of the Apes. Um, it's it's it is a toss-up though because I actually do genuinely love both of these films, uh, but I think Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, both with the visual effects and the heightening of the stakes that Matt Reeves starts to take the franchise to, culminating in my favorite of the three, which is War. So good. Um, so good. It's a it's a fantastic flick, and if yeah. you haven't seen it, I highly suggest you watch that entirely entire trilogy yeah that trilogy you can so tear good. through it in a weekend really easily um it's awesome yeah. so i'm gonna go with don yeah i also agree i'm gonna go with don um dr sleep surprising movie a movie that i didn't think would ever work and is a huge hard to follow stanley gamble. kubrick that is a gamble saying that we are gonna do a sequel to one of the most critically acclaimed films of all time one of my top 10 favorite movies ever which is the shining correct uh yeah, amazing that they were able to pull off a movie that I don't think... I think a 78 is low. I probably would have gone to like the mid-80s for Doctor Sleep. Uh, I think Ewan gives an awesome performance. I really like... Uh, what's her name? Is Rebecca Ferguson. Rebecca Ferguson is the hat. Yeah, uh, Rose the hat. Rose the hat. Um, the, also, shout out to Jacob Tremblay as the kid, who is one of the most terrifying death sequences of all time. That actually <laughs> is, is very disturbing. Yeah, it's horrifying. I mean, shout out to... to um, Elliot from E.T. playing Jack Torrance. That's right, yeah. Man takes a drink, drink, drink takes, takes a man. One of my um, favorite... Also, I, plenty of people have said this before, but special Radiovania 
You're, you're getting bounced Dr. Sleep from the tournament, but I want to give you a special award for not using CG to de-age sure. old actors. Yeah. Instead, you recasted... Uh, what's her name? Why can't I think of her name? Shelley Duvall. Shelley Duvall. You recasted Shelley Duvall. You recast the kid. You recast the, uh, Jack Nicholson. Like, perfect. We totally understand it. This you also is... recast um, uh, uh, Scatman Crothers. Scatman Crothers, that's with right. With one of my favorite actors, Carl Lumley. Yeah. Marshall Manhunter from Justice League Unlimited. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Who could forget? And so, uh, yeah, I want to... He's also Isaiah Bradley in uh, Winter Soldier. Yeah, Doctor Sleep, incredibly emotional, well-made movie, uh, really enjoyable ride from start to finish. Have you watched the director's cut? No, I bought it on. I bought. I haven't it on, watched it yet either. I really want to. Yeah, that'll probably be my my rewatch is watch the director's cut and see if I gravitate toward more. Yeah, yeah, it came with the the four K bundle that I bought on. Like when we order. earlier in the pod when we did my top five actors, Ewan did not make my list. I would like to to move Michael Keaton out and I. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, Damn, Keaton's, Keaton. Michael Keaton's my six man, definitely. Um, right. So Doctor Sleep's getting a six eighty five. Yep. And what are we giving Donald Ninety. I would go ninety as well. Yeah. Cool. Boom. All right. <laughs> the easiest matchup yeah. of the night for both of us. <laughs> Ocean's Twelve, uh, S- Steven Soderbergh uh, <laughs> versus The Empire Strikes Back. Thanks for coming out, Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, <laughs> Ocean's, Ocean's Twelve. Thanks for making an appearance. This is a this is a first round exit for you. Um, I one thing I will say. Ocean's Eleven, one of my favorite movies. Ocean's Twelve, not as bad of a follow up as people give it a rap for. It still has quite possibly one of the best ensemble casts of the early two thousands. It has a great idea, which is like, have you seen it? Yeah. Remember, we couldn't do it if that's I had right. That's seen. right. Uh, Tess played by Julia Roberts, has to pretend to be Julia Roberts to infiltrate that museum. And then they run into actual Bruce Willis, who is obviously for the movie, Bruce Willis playing Bruce Willis. It's just such a funny, like, metatextual movie. Um, I think it. I think it. all three of those movies and Ocean's 8 are actually very enjoyable. So that's just kind of a biased pick for me. But, I mean, listen, Empire, my favorite movie of all time. It's got. Yeah, it's, it's got to be Empire. It's really one tough. of the best sequels ever. It's a tough shake. Yeah, yeah, tough shake on Ocean's Twelve because I do that. That those movies are fun. I have a lot of. I have nostalgia for them. I haven't seen them in probably over a decade, but um, yeah, fun movie. Uh, where would you land on the score for Ocean's Twelve? They got a fifty-five on Rotten Tomatoes. I'd probably landed at a sixty. I think sixty. I wouldn't good. go much I think higher. Sixty's fair. Sixty's fair. And then. I mean, it's early in the it's early in the evening, but I would give Empire a hundred as well. I think it's a perfect movie. Na, 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 na. All right, Zach, you're up. So this is a really interesting one for me. I think we're gonna agree on this one. So next up is our number seven seed, which is Mad Max Two: The Road Warrior, which sits at a ninety four percent on Rotten Tomatoes, up against our twenty six seed. Which is Clerks 2, which is a 63 on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, this is a. You never go ass to mouth. <laughs> you never go ass to mouth. Uh, yeah, this is a weird one because this is a lot like the 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh, what was what was the other one? What we what what was the debate on the other Cloverfield one? Cloverfield or Batman Returns? Yeah, this is a lot like that where it's like. 
Clerks 2 is an independent it's like an indie movie it's an yeah. independent independent movie that's a drama like a comedy drama up against Mad Max 2 which is like a straight up action flick with not much heart or substance to it I'd give it to Clerks 2 oh I'm gonna give it to Clerks 2 as well yeah I just think that Mad Max 2 has it's moments it's fun it's a very I think that Fury Road has uh, ruined the Road other Warrior. Mad Max movies for Road me. Warrior is fun and then like you see Fury Road and you're like it's also really good I actually think my favorite of the first three is Thunderdome though Thunderdome's cool uh, but yeah, I, I just think that this is a this is a weird one for me because I think that I would rather watch Clerks too. It's just it's lighthearted, it's funny, it's got its moments, it's a cool slice of life, it's a cool time period. Um, but yeah, the Transformers are a gift from God, Randall. <laughs> no, sir, pillow they pants. are not a gift from God. You got to give it to Clerks too, just for pillow pants. So, <laughs> where would you land on Clerks two? I'd probably give it like a seventy. Yeah. And then Mad Max 2, I'd probably give it 70. like a 65 or something. I would tie him. So tie him up? Yeah. I think, I think Road Warrior is fantastic. <laughs> I just, I think I love Clerks too. Yeah, me too. So here we go. I get, <laughs> I get an interesting bracket here. It's called, it's the Steve Rogers off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I have Avengers Age of Ultron versus uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. I think number 23 seed for sorry, Avengers yeah, 2. Yeah, yeah, 23 seed, 76% around tomatoes for Ultron. Number 10 seed, 90% for Winter Soldier. Um, I think Winter Soldier is the best Captain America movie. I know you and I disagree, but I'm going to go with Winter Soldier on this one, hands down. Ultron tries to do too much. It's not a terrible movie. No, it gets too much it's shit. It's one of the better MCU movies in terms of the bottom third. However, Winter Soldier is, is an S-tier film. I agree, yeah. I think the Winter Soldier is just so much more what I'm looking for from Marvel, which is weird because the Avengers movies are some of my favorites, like the team-up, the ensemble cast. But Winter Soldier is a cool, unique twist on the Marvel formula where I felt like Avengers 2 was just more of Avengers 1. It also has Robert Redford in it, so that's cool. It does. It also has uh, much more Sam Jackson, which I really appreciate. And Yeah, he got shunted in Phase 3. It did. I think that... Maybe that was maybe his, not maybe necessarily his call, but maybe like uh, we don't want to rely on him too much. I don't think it might have been a budgetary thing. I think Sam Jackson might be kind of expensive now that he's in his older age. I think Jackson and Robert Downey Jr. don't like each other. They never share screen time together. Last time they shared screen was Ultron. That's wild. Yeah, but I mean, just to talk about Avengers 2 a little bit, like... Super fun movie. I think that its biggest problem to me is tonal inconsistency. Like, it has some really awesome moments, but the problem for me with Ultron is that, like, it jumps around way too much. It doesn't commit to one specific tone. In one moment, you have this splash screen, the splash page Avengers fighting these guys in the woods and, oh, language. The the Van Strucker. Exactly. But then at the very end of it, you have this third world country about to be decimated by these robots not and it's like, this third world country it's called sokovia sokovia we have to remember sokovia <laughs> but it's just like the movie's all over the place and i didn't like ultron at all like i think james spader gives a really fun performance but like the trailer biggest discrepancy from trailer tone to movie tone of any marvel movie saying it here yeah for me like ultron is not 
in terms of the performance of Ultron specifically isn't the thing that I'm hung up on most. It's more of the, the it's like a springboard for everything else, which is like that's interesting. Like it you it is required watching, but yeah, I I, I agree with you for sure. I mean, my favorite moment is when they're trying to lift Mjolnir. Right, that's everyone's. Yeah, the party scene is the be- is so. That's literally cool. like what we want out of out of these ensemble movies is like scenes like that. Yeah, and they do the end game when they're doing the briefings of all the stones and they're all like eating takeout and stuff, and Thor starts like breaking down. It's like, but that's the thing, right? Is like Ultron did it first, but everything it gets better. So I think we gotta go Winter Soldier here. Yeah, hundred percent. And I would also kind of side with the Rotten Tomato score. I'd give it Winter Soldier a ninety. Yeah. What about Avengers 2? Uh, 60. Oh, wow, you go low. I'd probably say 65. Okay. Do you want to settle at like a 63? You can do 65, that's fine. Okay. We're never going to see it again. Bye! (laughs) (laughs) Am I up? You're up. Yes, this is another wild one. So number 15 seed is Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, 15 seed. 15 seed. With an 87% on Rotten Tomatoes. Too high. Uh, I'm gonna come I in high. I kind of agree with you there. Too high. Up against our 18 seed. It's which not. Is... Okay. Sorry. Let me finish. I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at Rod Tomatoes. Hold your horse. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, number 15 seed, Ant Man and the Wasp, with an 87 critic score, up against our 18 seed, which is Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, with an 84 Rotten Tomatoes score. Um, I give it to Temple of Doom. Obviously. Um, uh, listen, created history. You don't get a PG 13 rating without Temple of Doom, so. Yeah, you got that going for it. Uh, I don't think Ant Man and the Wasp is better than Ant Man. That's my personal opinion. But really? in terms of, I oh definitely. What? Yeah. Not enough Michael Douglas in the second one. Um, Scott. Anyway, we gotta go get this thing, Scott. 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 And plus, <laughs> the first Ant Man has my favorite TV commercial where they're like ants, 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 Ant Man, ants. <laughs> Yeah. Um, no. But yeah, listen, Temple of Doom, like Indiana Jones, uh, wh- the, that trilogy means so much to both of us. But like, it's Temple, my favorite Indiana Jones. Temple of Doom, racist movie, yes, but it's so good, <laughs> it's so enjoyable. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about the parts that aren't. We can talk about Temple of Doom a little bit later, I guess, when we get to the next face-off. But for Ant-Man and the Wasp, I really like Ant-Man and the Wasp. I really like all the stuff that they do with the quantum realm and. The funniest scene. Even when they're in it for like five minutes. It's cool though. It doesn't make up the entire movie though. Ghost nah, is not whatever. a good villain. Ghost is not a good villain, but I like Neither Lawrence is Fishburne. Goggins. He's underused. Goggins is underutilized, but I thought the humor in the movie is really good. I thought the action was fun. I I mean, it's funny. The hardest, one of the hardest I've ever laughed in any Marvel movie ever, is the scene where he's like half man. Yeah. Where he's this the suit shorting out and he's like running through the school with the oversized hoodie. I'll That's do you one better. Fucking hilarious. I'll do you one better. It's okay. I got a criminology degree. I'll be fine. Hey, my name's Scott. Welcome to Baskin Robbins. <laughs> Can I get a cheeseburger? Nah, dude. It's just it, it's ice cream. Oh, okay. Uh, grilled cheese. It's just ice cream, man. Yeah. I I yeah. I, I don't know. Again, like our taste might differ in the Marvel movies a little bit. We've talked about this before, but like I like when the universe Bask. gets expanded. Um, sure. And so, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Give me Quantumania. Yeah, I can't wait for Quantumania. That's easily going to be the best of the three. I also think that the Ant-Man, not that this is a discussion with Ant-Man, but the first Ant-Man movie is so, is a paint-by-numbers superhero movie origin. 
the humor is what sets it apart. But like, I thought the villain was the villain was boring as fuck. The resolution was like whatever. There's not enough action, and they don't utilize the shrinking or sizing abilities nearly enough in the first movie. Like, there's like one scene of him like running through the nightclub and the the bathtub and stuff. But then other than that, it's like. There's like no visual effects. The car chasing too is really good. The car chase is awesome. The giant man stuff in the river is funny. Um, The quantum realm stuff I thought was really cool. I I don't know. I like Ant Man too quite a bit. But yeah, uh, this Temple of Doom takes it. No question about it. Definitely Temple of Doom. I give it an eighty. Ant Man two. I'll give it seventy five. I have no arguments, and the motion passes. Temple of Doom goes on to the next round. All right, uh, last bracket. Uh, Home Alone 2, our 31 seed, at a 35%. Which what? I, I think it's very low. The fuck? That's shocking. Is that? What the fuck is that? A 35% critic? I had to double check and refresh the page. Because <laughs> so I was you like, didn't have what? Three? Yeah. A 35%? I don't know. I don't get it. That's crazy. Go ahead. Maybe it's just people that don't like Trump. Well, here's the thing. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't actually watch just one or the other. I watch them as a double feature. Every Christmas. Every Christmas. It's one movie to me. I watch both of them. Right there. Go ahead. Um, But Aliens... Yeah, <laughs> this is a really weird bracket. I'm imagining the alien, the the xenophobe, and the xenomite, and then Kevin McAllister's like, ah! uh, Aliens got a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, aliens, directed by James Cameron, the follow-up of Ridley Scott's Alien, which is one of the best sci-fi movies of all time. Yeah, totally. Followed up by I I would say one of the best action movies of all time. Um, two different categories, very much. Or if you want to split them up, you could do Alien for horror. Aliens for sci-fi action. Anyway, I'm giving it to Aliens, but I'm appalled at the Rotten Tomatoes. I'm appalled. Of Home Alone 2. Unacceptable. Yeah. Unacceptable. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York is so fun. It's, it, it, I mean, can we... Joe Pesci? Ever heard of him? Like, God, he's not Pesci. in a lot of movies. Why are we giving his movies 35%? You gotta love the Pesci. I, I, it has one of my favorite sequences, which is... Kevin throwing the shit off the roof and hitting them where they should be the dead. Bricks. <laughs> the bricks. They're throwing the bricks at them. And then isn't that the scene where he steps on the nail and then electrocutes himself or something like that? The nail's the first one. The electrocution's the second one. But when he turns Home into a two, skeleton... <laughs> Home Alone 2 has Tim Curry. That's true. It also has the, the hotel manager. The pigeon lady. Pigeon lady's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Home Alone 2 is... Fucking fantastic! Yeah, it's fantastic, dude. yeah. It's uh, one of, one of my favorite um, one of my favorite moments in that is when Tim Curry sneaks into the broom and Kevin is worried about getting caught that he's actually not there with his dad and he goes into the bathroom and he's got the inflatable clown and there and he's playing the voice recording of his his uncle Frank and he's like we know a guy who can really do the cooker <laughs> and then he turns and he's like. Get out of here, you nosy little pervert. I'm going to slap you, silly. And he goes, ooh. And he turns around and runs and he trips over the table as he walks out. That's comedy right there, folks. It's, it's and comedy. that's why Home Alone 2 gets an 80%. <laughs> I would go I'll give it a, a 70. I'm giving lower. it a 70. 70? Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> but yeah, Aliens, I mean, where do you land? I mean, uh, well, we're going to have to talk about it pretty soon. So I'm just going to, for now, I'm going to give it a 95. I would go a little lower, but I mean, 
Oh, it's the creation of the action female hero. So okay, so now we're back up on top. So you just did that bracket, right? So then I'll take over the next one. Yep. Is that how we want to do? We want to go from the top. Sounds great. Okay, go from the top. So from we're on to round two. Round two. Stuff's about to get spicy up in this bitch. Be spicy. Round two. We got our number one seed, Toy Story two, versus Guardians of the Galaxy Volume two. Are you texting Cal preemptively? I'm telling him, I'm like, it's round two, you better stay by your phone. Um, I'll go first. I'm not afraid to say it. I'm going to go Toy Story 2. Okay, I'm going Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Okay, fuck. I I just think that, again, like I said, like Toy Story 2 is an immaculately made animated movie. I just think that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is a much better ensemble picture. I love the action. I love the emotional heart. Uh, Toy Story 2 doesn't the only scene in that movie that really gets me is when she loved me the whole thing with Jesse when somebody loved me that scene is gut wrenching and and really does like no matter who you are you have that memory of like your favorite toy or whatever and like the memories that you went through together and that shit is deep and fucking powerful but the Guardians of the Galaxy like it is just I think that it overall like all of the emotional beats the the growth that all the characters go through where they start at the beginning where they end at the end is just I know I know it's over but I I just I'm fighting for it I'm just saying that like I think that Toy Story 2 gets it's it's the weakest of that trilogy to me um it's a great movie I just think that Guardians is uh it's a very special movie to me and so I would vote Guardians over Toy Story 2 I think Toy Story 2 has one of the coolest like set pieces in the Toy Story franchise, which is the airport where they're trying to get um, Jesse and Bullseye off of the airplane that's going to Tokyo. Somehow the toys are able to keep pace with an airplane. I don't know how, yeah, but, <laughs> but <laughs> it's Pixar. It's fine. Uh, it's like the fast, that also, it's like the runway sequence from Fast Six. <laughs> Toy Story Two also has Buzz Lightyear encountering Zerg at the toy store, and the parallels to Empire Strikes Back, which are hilarious, as well as one of the best cold opens, which is where you think it's a Buzz Lightyear movie. Shout out to Lightyear coming out later this year, where Buzz yeah. is like flying through the canyon and stuff like that, and he fights Zerg, and you find out it's a video game that Ham's playing. I think Toy Story 2 does a better job of displaying all of the characters while also emphasizing Woody because the first one is focused on Buzz joining the crew. This one's about, like, what does Woody mean? You know what I mean? Which Woody is my favorite out of the two. I I don't know how you feel. But um, this is a toss-up because, listen, I agree with you. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is a a fantastic film. James Gunn is an orator of the the art form and... uh, Cal voted with you, so Guardians moves on. No way! We have an upset, folks! We had an upset. Number 16 over number one. (laughs) Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 beats Toy Story 2. I can't believe it. Cal doesn't like animated movies that much. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, I'm just kidding. But, I mean, in all honesty, like, these are both two fantastic films. Yeah, totally. I'm not gonna be upset about this beating Toy Story 2 maybe another movie on our list beating Toy Story 2 I'd be more upset about but I think Guardians 2 um, has something that both Guardians film has over has over most of the other MCU movies which is like genuine heart about the family you choose which not every MCU movie has but I think that the, the interesting thing about this matchup is Toy Story and Guardians are both about like 
a family outcasts. of multiple outcasts yeah. coming together. That's true. That's which I good... think is a fascinating matchup. And yeah, like honestly, true. like it is what it is. But like, let's go on. A Mary Poppins, y'all. Yeah, Mary Poppins, y'all. Yeah, that's the thing. Is that like, and that's what makes this even more interesting. Is that like, um, yeah, this matchup I think is very oddly specific. It's oddly specific. And it works, but yeah. I'm I'm happy. Uh, you know, I, I'm happy. I'm I'm here for it. I do think that Toy Story two would run away with it in most animated movie brackets, but I, I mean, most of the Toy Story movies have been nominated for Best Picture, so I don't think it's against the only Pixar franchise that it could go up against other live action films is Toy Story. So come on, Pixar. Step up your game. Step up your game. Let's get back to that Best Picture nomination category. <laughs> Maybe do something that's not. About I mean, family. the '90s were crazy. Like Disney, Disney films are being nominated for Best Picture, which is just awesome. Yeah. Um, so our second okay. bracket matchup here is uh, our nine seed. This is a classic. Nine seed Spider Man Two Sam Raimi versus eight seed Terminator Two Judgment Day. Both have a ninety three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. What do you got? I give it to Spider Man 2. I give it to Terminator 2. This is the one that I was worried about from the beginning. <laughs> I texted Cal that this round two matchup was probably going to happen. I'm going to talk about Terminator 2 for a little bit. Yeah, go for it. Um, the, the first Terminator is like an interesting sci fi movie. It's very dated. The effects do not hold up as much, but it's, it's so interesting. It's part of the vernacular. I'll be back. You know, all that kind of stuff. T2 introduces linda hamilton doing badass shit where she's like doing chin-ups on her overturned bed in the in the fucking insane asylum you got robert patrick running through walls you got arnold subverting expectations and being the good guy and then you have some great fucking action sequences like arnold riding a motorcycle shooting people with a shotgun and reloading with one hand while he spins it around i think it's one of the best action movies of all time one of the best follow-ups for me, definitely better than T1. Do you have any thoughts about T2? Because we talked a lot about Spider-Man 2 in the last round. So Here's what I'll say. Tell me. Love should be never kept a secret. <laughs> if you keep something as complicated as love stored up inside, it can make you sick. That's all I got. No, I'm, I'm fucking around. Uh, T2 is an awesome movie. It's, it's metal as shit. Judgment Day is awesome. It's a cool concept. It's a great story. I uh, this I actually think Linda Hamilton's role as Sarah Connor in this movie is like one of my favorite supporting performances. Yeah, she's terrifying. That scene where she breaks into Joe Morton's house and like threatens his entire family <laughs> is haunting. Like I was, I was so scared of Sarah Connor, and she she was the hero in the first movie. Yeah, I uh, yeah. This is one of those rounds that literally just comes down to fandom preference for me where it's like i think that both these movies are really well made maybe almost on the same level yeah i just prefer spider-man 2 as a sequel of and in terms of something i would rather rewatch or something something that means more to me personally so this is i feel like this might be a lot like our guardians 2 versus our x2 category okay which is like i totally understand why t2 would win it out i'm voting for spider-man 2 just because i think it's more it's more emotional for me. The nostalgia hits. I love Spider-Man as a character. I think the villains are awesome in the movie. Doc Ock is so fucking good. Nobel Prize, Otto. Nobel, Nobel Prize, Prize, Otto. Nobel Prize. Well, precious tritium. 
Spider-Man 2 may win the Nobel Prize, but Cal voted for Terminator 2 with me, and so Terminator 2 is going to move on. And it, so it moves on. Yep. Totally respectable victory to yep. T2. You will be my eye. Have you seen that music video? Arnold's actually the Terminator in the Guns N' Roses music video for no. the movie. It was like an MTV lead-up to the movie. Oh, no. Really? really? Never saw it. Okay. Am I going next? Uh, yeah, you're up. I'm up. So Okay, so you next... Get, you get the Batman category. <laughs> I get the easy one, yeah. So we got our bat-off. We got number five seed Dark Knight against number 21 seed Batman Returns. Yeah, I mean, Dark Knight moves on. It moves on. Agreed. Not much else to say. We talked a lot about Batman Returns in the last round, so... They're both on HBO Max. Check it out. Check it out. Um, our next matchup is an interesting doozy. <laughs> Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers versus James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. I mean, I'm going to say it right now. Best round two matchup we have, looking at what we have coming up. Agreed. Two movies that a are incredibly iconic two towers has arguably the best action sequence of the franchise however the suicide squad might be one of the most creative movies i've ever seen it's tough because here's the thing is like you had to pay the lord of the rings toll you, you gotta I mean? pay the troll toll when you go to the <laughs> when you go to the <laughs> when you go to the troll toll the lord of the rings is like there's like there's there's like the star wars trilogy and the lord of the rings trilogy for me <laughs> zach might put it a little higher but they're like they're up there and then it's like then it's like everything else right so you gotta pay the tax i don't may i take the floor please take the floor because i'm a little lost here the Lord of the Rings trilogy is my favorite movie trilogy of all time. I think The Return of the King is a perfect movie. I think that it, it is. It often is in the battle for me of my favorite movie of all time. Um, however, The Two Towers is my least favorite of the trilogy. And I know you've, that you've that is, talked about this before. I've talked about this before. But rehash your thoughts. My, my, my condensed thoughts into a couple sentences is The Two Towers has one of the best moments of the whole trilogy, which is Helm's Deep. That sequence is flawless. Absolutely flawless. But it fundamentally starts and ends in somewhat of the same place. It is the middle movie, but there's not... The ending sequence of Sam talking about, like, there is hope in this world, there's good in this world, and it's worth fighting for. Like, that sentiment is beautiful and so perfect. I think it's done better in Return of the King. That, sequ that like, idea of that, like... The hope that's worth fighting for is done better when they're closer to the end. Really, the two towers is it's about the battle, but it's like the main story of getting the ring to the the mountain is like it's really just held up because of the battle. They have to fight it out in Helm's Deep to get to the next part of the story. So, yeah. Two Towers to me has always been the the best movie in the trilogy in terms of action but not in terms of characters, story, music, development, interesting set pieces, blah, 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 so on and so forth. For me, I'd give it to the Suicide Squad because <coughs> um, I just think the Suicide Squad has all the beats I'm looking for. It's a contained movie start to finish. These characters start and end in fundamentally different places. 
uh, you learn about these people. It's emotional. It's funny. Like there's levity throughout the entire thing. Uh, I think the action is really well done. In One of the best movies. openings in recent years. Yep. I love the fake out. I love the drama. I love the characters, the variety of them. The performances are all great. Uh, and honestly, like the Suicide Squad does get a bump for me in this fight because I do think that it's a rewatchable movie. I think The Two Towers is a, is a trek. Like, I love those movies. I, I the, Again, I'll say it again. The Lord of the Rings trilogy is my favorite trilogy of all time. Favorite three movies ever, like pound for pound. But The Suicide Squad is just so... I could put that movie on whenever. I've watched it eight, nine, ten times since we saw it in the theaters because I just put it on when I'm in working in the background or like yeah. doing whatever on the computer or doing chores just because it's like, it's, I just enjoy the movie a lot. I, again, I'll say, The Two Towers has the best scene in the trilogy, which is Helm's Deep. But overall, the whole movie as a whole, I think that the first and the third do other aspects better, whether that's building the team, setting the lore, or getting to the finish line the conclusion the wrap up the the re- the resolution so i don't know where this is gonna go this is a contentious one i know but i'm just gonna i'm uh, i'll give it to the suicide squad okay i respect it i'm gonna go with the two towers i don't i don't know what earth 2 world we're on where you're giving a dc movie the leg over <laughs> a lord of the rings movie and i'm the opposite but uh, the Two Towers for me is quite possibly with the exception of like Empire, the best like middle step in a trilogy where it's like it's a trip. You fall over and you got to deal with some shit on the way to greater success. I, um, I mean, you get the introduction of Smeagol, you get the introduction of the Rohirrim, you get Sam's speech to Frodo about how they're the the only Lord of the Rings tattoo I would get, which is that there's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and that's worth fighting for, is like my favorite quote in the entire series. Uh, You you said the Rohirrim too. That's my favorite theme. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Theoden King, rest in peace, my guy. Uh, Oh, that scene's fucking awesome too, man. God damn. Theoden King stands alone, not alone. Uh, my favorite sequence probably with the like my favorite line is that Sam line my favorite sequence is the Rohirrim charging down the hill with Gandalf as the sun rises over the Orokai at the end of Helm's Deep I mean you also got Treebeard shout out to my Ent fans out there I'm gonna go with two towers shout out to my Ent fans <laughs> be sure to smash that subscribe button and <laughs> cast coming soon I think Two Towers for me is just like it, it it expands the world of the Fellowship of the Ring film in such a way that it's just like it's three storylines that you're following, correct? Right? It just blows up because you got the you got the Aragorn, the Frodo, and Merry and Pippin's story, um, and it's just like it blows up on such a scale that some sequels can't stick to landing, but that sequel for me is like. It is a concise story about the Rohirrim stuff while also serving as like the middle chapter to the story of the ring. So that's what I'm going to go with. I texted Cal and the Oscar goes to <laughs> Cal goes with the Two Towers as well. Okay. Which two I'm, Towers advances. Which, <clears throat> you know, 
your your favorite franchise. I'm sure you can't be too upset about it. But. No, I again like weird matchup as well. Like very weird matchup. It's really But at the same time, like we should be honored that there's these many good sequels out there. Yeah, true. You know what I mean? All right, I believe you're up to introduce the next part. Yeah, baby. We got uh so we got <laughs> Uh, our 14 seed, Blade Runner 2049, directed by Denis Villeneuve, versus our 3 seed, Godfather Part 2, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. You went first last time. I'll go first this time. Okay. I'm giving it to Godfather Part 2 again. Um, I guess this is where I have to start talking about the movie in case you have some type of underdog thing where you, you want Blade Runner to move forward. Which is fine if you do, because I think that's a great movie. Uh, Godfather Part Two might be the best film ever. My favorite of the two is Godfather because I think it's more rewatchable. Because Godfather Part Two has it's just like he kills his brother by the end of it, and it's just like you start to see the decline of Michael Corleone that you you watch from the beginning of the franchise. I think the Godfather trilogy as a whole, unfortunately, the third one is not amazing, but the first two might be the best, like, one-two punch ever. I mean, they're both Oscar-winning pictures. Um, Robert De Niro wins for supporting actor in this movie, playing young Vito. He's got one of those... He just, like, he enters, like, Hollywood in this movie, and this leads to everything with De Niro, like... He's fantastic. He's speaking Italian like 98% of the movie too. It's impressive. Very impressive, as is most of the people in the flashbacks. Um, and all the flashbacks serve the purpose of setting up Michael's story, where it's like a rise of a father and a fall of a son. And Michael is dealing with like the, uh, the Cuban Revolution and his brother betraying him. And he's got all these um, white American bureaucrats pushing in on the Italian Americans both in terms of just like racism as well as as just like crunching up on the mafia I mean you have uh, you can fact check me on this but I'm pretty sure four out of the five uh, best supporting actor nominations are Godfather Part 2 bit players in this movie you get Hyman Roth you got I mean you got Robert Duvall as Tom Hagen you got Michael Gazzo uh, as uh, Frankie Five Angels and you got John Cazale as Fredo Corleone and then obviously I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out there now I've talked about you this to you this separately but I think Al Pacino in Godfather Part 2 is literally the best on-screen performance I have ever seen in my entire life he is scary subdued caring ruthless like all all at different times and you can just like see based on what he's doing and like it's 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 a masterpiece it's like it's like looking at a painting yeah honestly i'm going with blade runner 2049 (laughs) (laughs) and but again this is one of those things where i'm willing i'm honestly willing to just concede this i want to see what cal says because if he sides with you i'm gonna disown him I just, uh, yeah, here's the thing, man, is that, like, this is just comes down to personal preference for this one, where it's like, I'm Italian as fuck, but I love myself some sci-fi. Uh, I just think that Blade Runner 2049 is such an engaging sci-fi thriller, like a noir, 
Uh, I really love it a lot. I think The Godfather 2 is an immaculately well-made movie. Um, I don't know. I just like... So your, your argument is that you just like it more? So that's what your vote. Isn't that not what we're... I mean, that's what it is, but I just thought you'd defend it a little more. <laughs> I mean, my defense is everything we've said in the other rounds. Like, Blade Runner 2049 is so fucking well shot. Denny Villeneuve knows how to make a movie. Like, it's engaging. Like, it's like, there's this mystery element to it. I think the performances are all so good, but more than that, like, it's just the world of that movie, the visual style of the movie, like... There is not a frame in Blade Runner 2049 that's not interesting to look at. The entire movie is a, so beautifully shot. Yeah, I feel the same way, honestly, about um, both that movie and the, and the Godfather. Like, Deacons is, is an art of, like, an artur of, of shooting film. Yeah. But the cool thing about um, The Godfather and The Godfather Part Two is, like, Gordon Willis shoots the first movie as, like, this, like, picnic, right? Where it's, like, bright wedding all this shit's going on godfather part two all the michael stuff is shot only with overhead lighting so it's it's literally only lit by like lamps that we would have in our dining room like it is so dark and like like almost almost everyone's eyes at least in the 70s before they did hd remasters are like these like black pits you know what i mean it's just like it is a fall into evil yeah it's just absolutely evil. No. I mean... I, yeah, I mean, like, uh, dude, I, I think that The Godfather Part Two is, like, an, it's, again, it's an immaculately made movie. I think both of these movies are. Uh, like, a lot of the same similar things are going on in both of them uh, in terms of acting, in terms of script writing, in terms of the visual nature of the movies. They're just different in terms of their storytelling. And so it, I really do think in this situation it just comes down to personal preference. Like, as much as I love... I think Godfather 1 is better than godfather 2 i agree i um, think well it's my favorite i think godfather part 2 is the best movie ever but yeah i think that blade runner 2049 is just uh one of my favorite sci-fi movies and i think it's just an incredible follow-up to blade runner um so i give it to blade runner you give it to godfather part 2 we'll see what cal says we'll see what cal says we'll move on and come back does that sound good? That sounds good to me. All right. um, You're up for the next category, Dawn versus Empire. Okay. If I do this category very slowly, would you make us more drinks? Yeah, sure. Because I also think that this might be an easy one. Okay. I fucking hope so. Uh, next up on the docket, we've got our number 11 seed, which is Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and then our number 6 seed, which is Empire Strikes Back. John Parker is currently making us some cocktails. Is there no question that Empire Strikes Back moves on ahead of Dawn of the Planet of the Apes? It better. I don't think there's a question, though. Okay, I agree. Empire Strikes Back moves on. The, John's standing up right now, so I'm just going to talk to the audience one-on-one. mano a mano this next category is the wildest con- comparison of movies we've ever had to do on Radiovania. <laughs> and it just gives me so much joy that you all want to listen. Thank you. 
for listening to Radiovania. You're two hours and 42 minutes deep into this podcast. As always, remember, go to www.radiovania.com to check out all of our old episodes to catch up on all the stuff. Donate if you feel like donating to the show. It all goes into the production, into microphones, into website, domain hosting, and all that stuff. So thank you guys for listening. If you're this deep into it, we appreciate you. Radiovania.com. John, take it away. So our last matchup. Nope. Sorry. Second to last matchup <laughs> of this round is a, a very, very wild matchup of Clerks 2 <laughs> versus Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Has Here, can I say this? Has anyone ever reviewed, compared these two movies? I want you to make sure that the title of this episode is Clerks, is Clerks 2, 2 better, better Than Winter Soldier. <laughs> And that's how we get people into the into the pod. <laughs> Snoochie boochies. Snoochie boochies. Um, <laughs> I'm going with Clerks 2. <laughs> <laughs> Clerks 2 might be my favorite comedy ever, but it also has a lot of heart to it. I mean, oh, Jesus. There's like so many fucking great moments in Clerks 2. I love Winter Soldier and I love the Marvel movies, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to give it Clerks 2. <laughs> Next cow, because I'm going Winter Soldier. Okay. <laughs> I, I love Clerks 2. I love Clerks 2. It's a funny movie, but The Winter Soldier is such a great espionage action film with humor and heart. Clerks 2 is really funny. There's I, I also don't want to let it go without saying there is some problematic stuff in Clerks 2. It's okay. We're taking it back. <laughs> I just think that, yeah, I, I, I'm curious to what Cal said. I'm sure Cal's going to side with you in Clerks 2. No, but. I think he's going to go with one. He didn't vote for Clerks 2 in the first round. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Um, so <laughs> I think we could probably then just assume it's going to be Winter Soldier. Um, but <laughs> I just want to say, like, this matchup is absolutely Hilarious. wild. Hilarious. Absolutely wild. Yeah. I love it. I, I just think that, yeah, I, I, I mean... Yeah, Clerks 2, these two movies are just so different. Like, it's hard. Ranking sequels is hard because we knew we were going to get some matchups like this where it's like, well, eh, I, I could see it going either way. Like, I mean, for sure. me personally, it's like, which one do I, would I rather watch right now? Probably Clerks 2 because we've had, I've had a few whiskeys. I'm down to laugh at some, uh, this is Kelly and I'm the stud or whatever. Like I'm Sexy <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> Sexy Kelly and the stud. I'm down for that shit, but Winter Soldier, just pound for pound, is one of the better Marvel movies. Definitely one of my favorite comic book movies of all time. Yeah. So, it's a hard matchup, but I really do think it just comes down to preference. All right. Well, we'll see what happens if uh, if he gets back to right. us on our last two rounds. We might have to start flipping a coin. I'll X out of that. Yeah, we'll see. Cal might be... Uh, he- well, might be a little too drunk to respond to these it's messages. It's only 11 o'clock down there. You should be fine. Yeah. Um, our last round is up to you to present it. <laughs> oh, it's up to me. Okay, so our, our last round for the... for uh, What is this? Is this round... This is round two, right? Yeah, okay. So it's Temple of Doom, our 18 seed versus Aliens at our number two seed. I would argue for Temple of Doom. I'm totally fine if you want to have Aliens advance to the next round. I can totally understand I, that. I think it's got to be Aliens. It's gotta be. I just like Indiana Jones as a character more I than I like Ripley or any of those. Well, I agree, but I think that Aliens is is 
such a great sequel. I think it's James Cameron's magnum opus. <clears throat> I think it's my favorite James Cameron movie. I don't know if it's his best. I mean, you probably have to give it to Titanic. You probably got to give it to Avatar. One of the two. But I think Aliens is... Sorry, I just played footsie with thought, you. I thought that was Franklin. <laughs> no, he's over there. He's over there. drinking water. Uh, I think Aliens is great. Sigourney Weaver is, is like entering the scene as like, not only am I the survivor of the first movie, but now I'm the action hero. So I think it's got to go to Aliens. I have no arguments because I can't really... This is another one of those where it's like, yeah, we could text Cal, but like I don't give a fuck. Like right. I, I think that... Temple of Doom is my favorite of the indie movies, but in this situation, it's like Aliens is so immaculately well put together and it's engaging. Temple of Doom is just more fun, which is probably why I would want to rewatch that and vote for that. But I'll get, I'll go ahead and just so why don't we do this? this to Aliens? Why don't we do Aliens last round? We do Winter Soldier as a placeholder until he responds, and then the round before that, we do Godfather as a placeholder. Well, I just haven't figured filled out that bracket, so we don't have to. Like, we can circle back to those brackets until sure. we have something empty. All right, that's fine. So, like, next up would technically be... Quarterfinals. Um, the quarterfinals, yeah, the semifinals. So, we would have... Final four, baby. Yeah, so, like, right now we've got uh, the quarterfinals going up. So, we got Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 up against Terminator 2. I feel like you're on a fucking Guardians 2, like, hot streak right now. Yeah, I, I am, again, also going to vote for Guardians 2. But again, this is a, this is another one of those preference things. Like, the Terminator franchise is cool, well-made movies, but like I love the Guardians movies. I like James Gunn. I like the style, the emotional weight. I think that Judgment Day is a cool movie, but I think that I personally just prefer Guardians too. Can you tell me any reason why you might think that Guardians Two is a better sequel than T Two? Not better movie, but better sequel. I think so this it, is the sequel bracket. Yeah, I think it builds upon the characters in the world, like, and those are the two things that I look for in a sequel. That's a part of the reason why, like, I don't think that Lord of the Rings: Two Towers is better than the Fellowship because the Fellowship introduces you to all these characters in this world. The sequel puts them through hardship, but it's not until the third one where you start to see their true motivations, who they love, who they dislike, where they go, where their stories end up. Um, so Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 I really like the fact that everyone grows everyone changes and everyone ends up in a fundamentally different place in that movie than they do at the very beginning and I really just love the emotional weight of Guardians 2 again like I, I've said it a couple times in this in this episode but like everything with Peter and his dad the stuff with the, like looking back on him his relationship with his mother and then looking back on his relationship with the team as well, Peter's relationship with everybody on the team, Gamora and and Nebula, but also Peter and, and Yondu. I think that that relationship is so powerful. I love that ending sequence. I think that's so well done. Um, I also just think that, you know, I mean, this is, again, like... how things age, how things change, but, like, I think that Guardians 2 is just so... It's so quick. It's very, it's fast. There's humor, there's heart, there's laughter, there's action everywhere. Like, I just think that Guardians 2 volume, like, Guardians 2 flies by and Terminator 2 is, it's an epic. Um, I just think that Guardians 2 just builds upon the first one in terms of all the characters learning who they are, growing and changing, accepting who they are, 
accepting defeat, having to change and, and ch change their point of views and fight different people. Like, I don't know. I also just love the the super high fi the super high sci-fi element of Guardians 2, like jumping between worlds and uh, I don't know. Again, like this is a cow. This is a cow breaker. That should be a segment called the cow breaker. <laughs> I um, mm, I will concede it to you because I think that there there are times when I would rather watch Guardians 2 than Terminator 2. However, I want to get some final plugs in for T2 because I do think that you say Guardians 2 builds on the first one. I think T2 builds on the first one in an interesting way where they literally subvert your expectation of the villain without any of the marketing telling you about it to him being the caretaker of your protagonist. Right. It's such a cool concept that has been stolen from multiple times since then. Um, you could even argue that Guardians 2 takes some of that marketing because of the relationship with Peter and his father. The like. Last of Us takes from this. Lone Wolf and Cub takes from this. It's literally like ultimate protector protects baby slash child, right? Um I think it's a fantastic action movie. However, I will, I will, I will bend to this one. So we're gonna have Guardians move on. Do we want to text the non, the third party? He hasn't responded in a while, so I think we're gonna, have to, we're gonna have to start making our own decisions and or call him pretty soon. We could also flip for it. No, no, no. I think we can come to an agreement like men. <laughs> All right. I mean, like, here's the other thing, too, is that, like, if you ask me, like, I would come to an agreement on T2 if that's... Well, we'll I just... We'll see. Like, I, I'm, I'm fine with it. Let's let's do it. Fuck it. 16. 16 moving on. I just... Yeah, I, I mean, like, final, final thoughts. I just think that T2 is a great movie. It's just... It... I think that the relationship dynamics and the character progression is so much stronger in Guardians. But I will say, I think T2 has a darker tone and a bit more weightiness to the threat. Does that make I mean, sense? it's a little more real world. Sure. Machines taking over, becoming self-aware. Yeah. Yeah. But I really do think, that, again, like this is a preference thing. It's like, what would you rather watch? Hasta like, la vista, baby. baby. Yeah. This is the best Schwarzenegger. That should be stated right i don't know jingle all the way is pretty fucking <laughs> put that cookie down <laughs> it's not a tumor yeah kindergarten cop yeah I, I still go with this for best best schwarzenegger but um no i think i think we should be able to come to agreement like men <laughs> and uh, i love guardians too it's been kicking ass all the way here so why not why not a little further all right you're just gonna have to contend with robert patrick chasing you down <laughs> So our next uh, elite... I'm going to have a broad suck my dick, and then I'm going to kill my fucking son. <laughs> our next Elite Eight matchup. Four versus five. The Dark Knight versus the Two Towers. This is a rough one. This is a tough... This is a tough cookie. This is a tough choice. Put that cookie down. <laughs> You're literally talking about quite possibly the best trilogy of all time versus the best comic book movie of all time. Yeah. I gotta go Dark Knight on here. I'm also gonna go Dark Knight. I think the Two Towers, as much as I love it, as I've said from the last round, the Dark Knight has generational performances 
Whereas the two towers has maybe one generational performance in Andy Circus, but I think he gets better in King. And Agreed. I think everyone else is better in Fellowship or King in terms of their performance. I like the spectacle of two, whereas the Dark Knight has Ledger, Aaron Eckhart's only good performance <laughs> in the. <Ledger. laughs> And, and I, I think one of the best stagings of his sequences is she's at uh, 250 52nd Street and he's at uh, 4th and West. Yeah. And then that, that culminates with them switching the addresses. So Batman cool. shows up to Harvey's place and Gordon shows up too late to Rachel's and she dies. Rachel, that is Rachel. literally one of the coolest things ever on a film, in my opinion, in terms of like intensity horror subverting expectations yeah it's like tragedy for the main character so yeah i think we'll go with dark knight on that one yeah i totally agree i think that um the dark knight is just so good standalone like i mean like the only thing that i would give the two towers over the dark knight for in terms of anything is the action like like i said earlier like there's some cool Batman stuff in The Dark Knight, but a lot of it is just Batman punching people. Like, the coolest Batman thing in The Dark Knight is him jumping off of the Dubai Tower or whatever that the tower is in China or whatever to get Lao. The Lao extraction? The Lao extraction. Yeah. But everything else in the movie is just like... <gasps> How do you write <gasps> <wreck> it? <laughs> so Two Towers has the Helm's Deep battle, which is arguably the best battle sequence ever done on fucking film how do you recommend how do you recommend getting back in the plane i recommend a good travel agent without a landing no that's more like it no, that's more like it yeah that that sequence is great so yeah i i think the dark knight takes it but the, the, the dark knight takes it but the two towers has better action for me yeah. all right i'm gonna call him because we we gotta we gotta figure this out and then we, you and i can go the rest of the way Alright, he's dead. His phone died. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so here's what here's what we're gonna do. I think we do I'll concede. Godfather over Blade Runner, no. but Winter Soldier over Clerks 2. I will con so here's the thing, is that I will concede Godfather 2 wins out over 2049. Yeah. Winter Soldier beats Clerks 2. Winter Soldier beats yeah. Clerks 2. And now and now we have to do Godfather versus Empire, which is like Talk about tearing my soul in half, like Voldemort. <clears throat> so, all right, so then you're in charge. Take it away. Well, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we're at what I was hoping would not happen. We have reached a parting of the ways. Yep. You will go as you see fit, and I I will go as I see fit. Name that book. Uh, Order of the Phoenix. Mm. Um, these are the two best sequels, in my opinion, ever. And they're three and six, which I don't know why Rotten Tomatoes is stupid, but here we go. Um, I'm going to give it to Empire. I'm also going to give it to Empire. Because it's my favorite movie, but I, again, I want to reiterate that I think that The Godfather Part Two is the best crafted film of all time, even though I think Empire is vastly more entertaining and a better follow-up to what was established before um michael corleone don't at me <laughs> all right so then we're moving on to our 10 seed winter soldier versus our second seed aliens 
Personally, again, this is a personal preference. I like Winter Soldier more than I like the Aliens franchise. I also like the Marvel Universe more than I like Aliens. So this is a conflicted thing for me. I will happily concede Aliens to you if that's what you're going to want to fight for. I just think between these two movies, I think the political intrigue, the Bucky what about What about story. Winter Soldier? Let's talk about sequels specifically. Sure. What about Winter Soldier serves as a better sequel than Aliens? This is a better sequel. I love the relationship between Cap and Bucky and yep. how that goes down. The Winter Definitely. Soldier stuff is awesome. I love the political intrigue. Again, I'll say it again. Like all the stuff with Hydra becoming S.H.I.E.L.D. Like S.H.I.E.L.D. is now compromised. I love all of the... I think the action in Winter Soldier is so well done. I think the Aliens has some cool action set. The sequence that I remember from Aliens... And it's been a few years since I've seen Aliens, but the sequence I always we remember. Watch Aliens tonight, that shit slaps. No, we're gonna watch Jackass. But that's true. <laughs> but uh, the sequence from Aliens that I remember is when they're all invading that at the very end. Yeah. And, and I just remember like a lot of when he looks and a lot of shooting and muzzle flares and stuff like that. But Winter Soldier has. Before we get started, does anyone want to get off? Well, Aliens has. Get away from her, you bitch! <laughs> I mean, Aliens has some of the best action set pieces. Sec, sex. Wow, I can't talk. <laughs> action set pieces. This episode sponsored by whiskey. <laughs> Seriously, but like, oh my god, when when um, Michael Bean realizes that the barricades that they created did not cover the air ducts and he steps up on the stool and he pops open the rafters and he looks in the rafters and all the aliens are fucking inside the room because they've been crawling around on the roof and they start falling from the ceiling and bill paxton's like yeah you want some you want some too i mean bill we haven't even talked about paxton He's Game great. over, man. Game, Game over. over. Like some of the most iconic mo- like movie lines are in this movie uh, I mean, it's tough. I know you. I know you love Marvel, man. I know you love Marvel, but Aliens is a better. It's a better sequel. Yeah, I, I, I disagree. I mean, like again, this is a personal preference thing. I think it's just like the Aliens franchise has never really done it to, for me. Like I, I totally appreciate. But this Aliens. isn't about the franchise. This is about the singular. I know. Movie. I'm saying. The fr- I'm saying beside the franchises, personal preference, right? I think you would take the Alien mo- like Alien One and Two over the Cat movies as a whole. Yeah, I would take Aliens. Then I would take Winter Soldier. Then I would take Alien Civil War, First Avenger, Prometheus. Fuck Prometheus, dude. I like Prometheus a lot. Fuck that movie. I like Prometheus a lot. I, I'm, I'm a fucking dummy. I think, I think I'm a Alien, fucking dummy. I'm I, a dummy. I'm a, I'm a limp dick dummy. I like Prometheus better than I like Alien. You and I maybe don't talk about this enough. I've seen Aliens probably 30 times in my entire life. Like, I have watched that movie a ton. A ton. I've seen it I could twice. probably quote it a million times. I've seen it twice. And the last time that I saw it, I say I, we grease this rat fuck son of a bitch right now. <laughs> so, I mean, talk about political intrigue. The Wayland Yutani Corporation's trying to bring back the embryo eggs. So fucking Carl Reiser's out there trying to trying to sneak them in, and he's trying to gestate them into Sigourney Weaver and uh, and uh, Newt. I don't remember who plays her, but Newt, the kid, and uh, they catch them and they kill the fucking embryos. 
I love this movie. <laughs> it's gonna be hard for me to let go. No, I will. Again, like I said, I don't want you to concede the whole time. To though, I feel like we need a we need another tiebreaker. Who likes Marvel and Alien franchises? Who can we call at call twelve fifteen? I'm the calling morning? John. John Larson. Yeah. What the fuck is he gonna know? He's, he's not gonna know. He's shit. seen both. Really? I'm calling him. He's not gonna answer. No way does he answer. He answered. Hey, I need your help real quick. We need your help. You're on Radiovania live. Yeah, put it on the mic so that everyone can hear him. John. Yeah. If you had to pick between two movies, would you go Aliens, the sequel to Alien, or Winter Soldier, the sequel to First Avenger? Winter Soldier. Fuck you! Yes! (laughs) Woo! Winter Soldier is like the first Put him closer to the mic. Marvel movie that I had seen. So, I guess I should say Avengers movie, but yeah. Have you seen John, sorry, uh, we didn't make this clear enough. You're on the live episode of the the podcast. So, did you did you enjoy what when was the last time you saw Aliens? And uh, like, did you enjoy anything about that movie? What particular, particularly draws you to Winter Soldier? Um, gosh, yes. I haven't seen Aliens in at least five years, if not more. I'd probably say closer to like eight years. Did I show you that movie, or have you seen it on your own? I can't remember. I'd see. I'd seen it on my own because okay. that whole series is one of those movies that was like always circulating on TV. Um, and I don't dislike that movie. But I think Winter Soldier was honestly better than Captain America. Definitely. Because, like, I, I thought the plot was stronger. I thought the emotional appeal was insane. And I thought the trauma that Iron Man goes through was, like, really, really well portrayed. So You got to call him out. No, argument. you go ahead. That's Civil War. Wait, which one is Winter Soldier? John, Winter Soldier is the movie that's the sequel to First Avenger, which is the one with Robert Redford, where it's the one with the Winter Soldier, where you find out that he's assassinating people. Oh, he's assassinating that's people. right. That's where they introduce Bucky. Ugh. Mm. <laughs> yeah, back to the drawing board, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah John. Dude, I'm gonna change my answer, man. Aliens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. All right, wow. Yeah, what an upset. <laughs> what an upset. I really hope the mic picked all that up. That was great. It's <laughs> John, we're uh just so just to fill you in, we're doing a bracket on the episode of uh the most recent news episode, but we want to do like a March Madness thing, so we're doing the best sequels of all time. And Zach and I have been getting tied up, so we've been reaching out to people as tiebreakers. So thank you, buddy. I love you so much. Hell yeah, man. Thanks for including me. Zach, no. sorry to let you down, brother. No, no, no. No, don't apologize. No, no, no. no. I, was about to con- I was about to concede victory to Aliens because I think that it's a sh- it's probably a stronger movie. It's just, again, like we've been getting to – we've been hitting roadblocks in this bracket because it's a lot of personal preference on universes we'd rather consume. I like Marvel – 
John really, really, really enjoys the Alien franchise. So, like, you know, it's 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 apples and oranges for a lot of this shit, so... Let me ask you, John, let me ask you a question from the a previous round real quick, just for you personally. Would you go Empire Strikes Back or Godfather Part 2, Sophie's Choice? Oh, God. Yeah, that's that's where we were at. We went with Empire. I, I, I would say Empire Strikes Back, but, like, only, like... The way that sequel starts is unbelievable. Like, I can only imagine having to, like, wait a couple of years for another Star Wars movie to come out and right. then have that be the opening fucking sequence. Whereas, yeah. I think overall, Godfather Part Two is a better, like, end-to-end sequel. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's literally my argument the whole time has been that, uh, that I think Godfather Part Two might be the greatest film ever, but... <laughs> I'm going. I'm going based off of my gut here on my favorite sequels. Yeah. Wow. When are you guys? Have you already published the whole bracket? Uh, we'll share it with you after the fact. We're down to our final four. You want to hear our final four? Hell yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two versus The Dark Knight and Empire Strikes Back versus Aliens. Oh my God. So it's going to come down to Empire Strikes Back and The Dark Knight. <laughs> God willing, God willing. God willing. God willing. Zach, has, Zach has been pushing Guardians all night. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 has beaten X-Men 2, Toy Story 2, and Terminator 2. Yeah, I think that checks out. Okay. I, I, I would align with those victories, but I think it's now in big boy territory. Yeah, this is where this is where you put on the big boy pants. We're about to get real serious, so. Hell yeah. Are you guys together right now? Yeah, he's, he's visiting me up in uh, Cleveland. Fuck yeah, man. Live it up, boys. We will, we will. I might text you as a tiebreaker, so stay by your phone. Will do. All right, John. Thank you. We love you so much. Thank you so much for being on this episode, John. If you can uh, shout out where you can go follow the podcast at. Oh, uh, Radiovania, you know, the interwebs, uh, <laughs> social medias, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, all that good stuff. Go subscribe. And where can, where can people follow John Larson at if they want to see things from John Larson? Oh, um, you can send me a letter. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. We should open a P.O. box. We for should you. have a P.O. box. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I'll tell you what. If you have any, if you have any John Larson inquiries, you can direct them to me, and I'll uh, pass them on. And only yeah, inquiries like- about John Larson, not Jonathan Larson. We don't want to get your inquiries about the flam- famous playwright. Fuck that playwright. John Larson's where it's at. Our boy. That's right. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, John. Have All a good right, night, boys. buddy. So long, partner. <laughs> I really hope that I really hope the audio picked all that up. I apologize to anybody out there that if it didn't. Uh, but we are going to move on to our final four because we still have one last drunken shenanigan to go before we end this monstrosity of an episode. Are you ready, John? Yeah. Okay. Uh, am I leading this one off? Yes. Okay, so our number 16 seed, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 against the Dark Knight. Is there any question? Goes to the Dark Knight. It has to go to the Dark Knight, right? I agree. It's got to. I mean, 
Guardians 2 made a, f- a, a valiant push to the final four. Just like Larson said on the phone, and shout out to Jonathan Larson, one of our good friends. He said... Just John Larson. No, it's... Well, the playwright's name is Jonathan Larson. So we don't want to give that guy clickbait, though. I know. Well, he's dead. Is he? Yeah, he died. Oh, sorry. I didn't know. No, it's okay. Um, I feel stupid now. <laughs> uh, yeah, Guardians... Like John Larson said on the phone, this is big boy territory now. There's no way... No possible way... That I could say that Guardians 2 is better than The Dark Knight. There's just no way. So, it advances. Alright. Next up, take it away. Empire versus Aliens. Empire. I mean, it's gotta be Empire. Um, shout out to Aliens, but empire literally has just killed godfather part two and aliens on its warpath to the final showdown this is probably the one that was projected at the beginning but i was curious to see how it would develop along the way i think aliens is a fantastic film but empire strikes back is literally the sequel that most sequels are compared to like most articles are this is the blank empire strikes back of this blank franchise right so it's i it's got to be got to be empire i agree the fact that that's a six, by the way, too. Isn't that crazy? Fuck you, Rotten Tomatoes. The cri- be- well, a lot of these critic scores, too, like, that's the thing with a lot of these movies is that, like, the critic reviews are aggregated from when the movie comes out, and then for certain legacy movies, they have reviews that they can find from that era. Yeah. But it's like, if The Empire Strikes Back was re-reviewed now, it'd be 110%. That's the problem. But... We're on to the championship, John. And I will go ahead and introduce I could not be more delighted. <laughs> Welcome to the championship. We have our number five seed, Dark Knight, versus The Empire Strikes Back. I mean, literally, we're talking about, like, the two largest conflict of interests for me in film. I'm going to go Empire. This is tricky for me. Because I honestly, my gut is telling me Dark Knight. Um, As it should. It's probably a better constructed film visually, right? Most of Empire is shot on a soundstage. Most of the Dark Knight is shot in Chicago. It's very outdoors. There's lots of cool shit going on there. Better performances. Better performances for sure. Cultural appeal, they're probably both tied. Yoda, I would I say agree. Yoda and I Am Your Father versus Heath Ledger's Joker is like right there, right? In terms of like things that people recognize. It's tough. I don't know, I don't know if we want to leave it up to a tiebreaker, tie but we could. Um, I honestly like, I would be fine with either of them winning. Yeah. I would be. But I don't want to call it a tie. I think we got to pick one. That's what March Madness is all about. Here's a question. Yeah. Lay it on me. What if we leave it at a cliffhanger, fittingly, like both of these films, and we ask our friends to vote? And then on you the next episode... You want our friends to vote or the fans of Radiovania to vote? Both. And then on the next episode of the show, we reveal who the winner of the bracket was. Because now we're down to the final two. Hmm. I like it. Because right now, like, I don't want to concede 
this one because like I would say like yeah whatever Empire Strikes Back I mean it's one of my favorite movies of all time top 10 for sure but The Dark Knight is I just think such a great sequel so they're both amazing follow-ups like these are literally the fantastic follow-ups right of fantastic yeah. follow-ups of fantastic follow-ups right here um, I'm cool with that okay let's let the people decide we will let the people decide but you're voting for Dark Knight and I'm voting for Empire I'm so right now there's one, it's 1-1 one, one, tied that's right okay alright you can't change your vote when we put a poll out there to our friends and stuff nope nope I'm confident alright alright thank you all so much for listening to Fantastic follow-ups, The Bracket. We will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Uh, We've got a poll going up to our friends that are going to help us decide the victor of the spectacular follow-ups. Fantastic follow-ups. But for now... Spectacular sequel. Spectacular sequel, fantastic follow-ups, whatever you want to call it. But now, we're going to end this episode with a lightning round sort of adventure. And that's best beverages. In honor of March Madness, we got to do it. We're drinking some lovely whiskey and ginger. So, John, how do we want to do this? Well, you haven't got my nominations yet. And you have not received mine, neither. Correct. (laughs) so we need to rule out any overlaps that we have so why don't we go one at a time correct and then if there's overlap i'll cross one off my list you can cross one off yours and we'll go until we get to how how many do you want to do i thought we were each going to present eight so top 16 top 16 okay ready when you are uh uh, my number one is coffee okay assuming you have so be specific are you talking just coffee just coffee okay so coffee and that's john okay my number one is going to be iced coffee slash cold brew (laughs) little bitch (laughs) just kidding iced coffee is amazing okay what's your second one coca-cola classic okay classic coke my second one is Diet Coke. Interesting. Uh, before I present my third one, do smoothies count as a beverage? Sure. Strawberry banana smoothie. Jesus. Or strawbana, if you will. I'm going to strawbana. Just do smoothie. That's fine. Smoothie I'll, from I'll John. remember what it is. Okay. My next pick is Cab Sav. Uh, Cabernet uh, Sauvignon. Good pick. Chocolate milk. <laughs> whether that's put, whether that's cow, pea, oat, nut, or whatever, chocolate milk. I'm gonna write chalky milky from Jay. I wish you wouldn't write it that way, but that's okay. Uh, my next one is ginger ale on a plane. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I like it. What's your next one? Old fashioned. All right, that is the first one I have to cross off my list. Okay. 
My next one is Corona with a lime on the beach. Well, you're getting specific with the... Yeah. Okay. What's your next one? My tie in Hawaii. I guess I can get specific with location. Okay. My next one is Mexico. Mexico is good shit. All right. So specifically the glass bottle, Mexicola, Coca-Cola, real cane sugar. What's your next one? Unsweet iced tea with lemon at a sunshine soaked table. <laughs> I'm just going to put ice, unsweet and iced tea with lemon. All right, John. All right. My next one, Arnold Palmer. Last knob. Pilsner or Kel? Wow. So this would be my last nomination as well. Right? If if your math adds up, you should have sixteen after you reveal. Four, five, six, That's right, yeah, sixteen. Alright, I gotta I gotta come with this. Really litigiously here. Mm, this is tricky. This is tricky. I'm gonna write Gatorade. That was on my short list. What flavor? I would go specify. orange. That's what I had! Orange yeah. Gatorade, Zach. Okay. The best hangover cure. Bulk ad. And we're going to switch the seating up here. And I'm also going to do this. Okay. So, here we go. I'll go ahead and read all these off so, so we don't have to share the double, double share the bracket. Okay. How about you read them and I'll start the conversation. Yes, hold on. Start tournament. All right. So I've shuffled the seeds. Okay. Right now we have our number one seed, Pilsner Urkel versus Chalky Milky. I'm gonna give it to uh, I'm gonna give it to Pilsner Urkel. Yeah, I will also give it to Pilsner Urkel. Refreshing, unique, probably the best Pilsner in the world, besides a Miller Lite. Potentially, but yeah. I think I think in terms of flavor, it's probably the best. There's some craft pilsners I've had that I the like glass better than Urkel. Is, the glass is sick that the it's usually served in. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't like milk. And so... That's why I suggested other alternatives to milk under it, but yeah. I understand. Yeah, so I just don't ever... I've never had the desire to drink milk. The only time I ever use any dairy product in anything is when I'm flavoring my coffee. Like what about cereal? You don't need cereal? No, nah, I like dry cereal. What? I put my cereal. Here's here's a Zach. Here's a Zach tip. I put my dry cereal in a plastic homage cup, so I can drive on the road and I just drink out of it with the dry cereal. I just dump a bunch of it into my mouth, like a horse eating his feed. Okay. All right. Next up, 
our number nine seed Cab Sav versus our number eight seed Arnold Palmer. Cab. I will also go cab on this. Listen, dude, alcohol is just better. <laughs> alcohol is better. But uh, shout but, out but to seriously, shout uh, out to the Arnold Palmer. What I specifically was thinking of the the Arizona Tea Dollar Arnold Palmer, like the the half and half cans. Oh my god! I was thinking of the one you make at home. So that's nice. I love those Arnold Palmer. Listen, cans. I think a, I think a cab is just like one of the oldest drinks in the world. Like, it's hard. It's hard to find a more universally beloved wine, you know. So good, so good. Dry wine. I love a dry wine. Yeah, dry. If you, have, I mean, like, listen. I know people like sweet wines out there. I can't fuck with it. No, fuck that. I can't do. My it. favorite type of wine is a Pinot Noir, but like right underneath that is a is a cap. So. Pinot Noirs sometimes get too sweet for me. That's why I like the. You got to pick out the right ones. You, there's some dry Pinot Noirs out there that are fucking phenomenal, and I'll send you some for Christmas. Mm, thank you. Next round. Next round. We have a number five seed iced coffee slash cold brew going up against a mai tai in Hawaii from John. I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna actually go against myself here and go with cold brew. Yeah, I I totally agree. I can't. I don't like my ties very much. Like really, they're just very sweet. Not enough rum in it if you're having them too sweet. Okay, maybe I've not had a good mai tai. Ask my sister to make you one. Okay, let's get Shelby on the phone. See if she can break a tie for us. <laughs> I'll call her. This will be right. funny. <sighs> Next up, let's keep it going because we got to end this shit soon. Sure. Or else it's going to be too big to upload to our podcast server. Uh, next up is our number 13 seed, Corona with a Lime on a Beach versus Mexico. Corona. I will also take Corona. I like American Coke better. Mexico really? is really good, but I think American Coke is better. Oh, that's crazy. I love the real cane Especially sugar. the McDonald's one. Too syrupy. But I'll understand. It's so good. Next up. We've got straw banana smoothie versus coffee. Coffee. This is this is me against myself. Coffee. Yeah, I'm gonna also go Hot coffee, coffee as well. Hot coffee. I never feel like I want a smoothie ever. I can't remember the last time I had a smoothie. I want a smoothie every day. So okay, that's okay. Next up, we've got old fashioned number eleven seed up against our number six seed, which is ginger ale on a plane. I mean, come on. Ginger ale, that that crispy ginger ale that they give you on a plane. A Canada Drive from a can. Oh, my God. Over ice. Versus what? Nothing. Versus an old-fashioned. An old-fashioned. Zach, the, like the, one of the best cocktails of all time, featuring whiskey, the best liquor of all time. How many times are you on a plane? Versus how many times you having an old fashioned? <laughs> That's a good point. Here. How many times are you on a plane? Yeah, my heart wants to. My heart wants to say ginger ale on a plane because that's like the most satisfying. One of the best ginger ales I ever had was that plane ride back from uh, California when I drove you out to California and I was flying on the plane back and they were like, "What do you want?" And I said, "You know, ginger ale sounds really good." And I was like. Oh, 
it just felt so good. I love that that crispiness. There's something about the altitude, man. It makes that shit even like more carbonated. I love it. But I will side and I'll say, yeah, the old fashioned is the best cocktail. So thank you. I think it goes to the old fashioned. All right, next up on the bracket, number seven seed, classic Coke, against unsweetened iced tea with lemon. This is a Sophie's choice for you, I think. This is a southern southern boy has has to decide. Who's <sighs> a southern boy? It's a challenge. I actually like iced tea more than Coca Cola. I will also agree with you. I like unsweet iced tea more than I like Coke. So I'm gonna go with that one on that one. We're ripping through these bad boys. All right, last one. Orange 15 seed orange Gatorade from Zach versus Diet Coke. I feel like I know which one you're gonna vote for. I'm just going to say it right away because I know that it's not going to go far. Diet Coke is my favorite soft drink. I don't like regular Coke because it's too sweet. Every now and again, a Mexican Coke, a glass bottle Coke is a treat for me because like I never have it. But regular soda is just too sugary. I don't like it. I don't have a sweet tooth. I don't understand how people drink regular soda with like fucking a burger and fries. It's just too rich. Too rich for me. So Diet Coke is my jam. But orange Gatorade is is fucking lit. I'm gonna go with orange Gatorade. But it's a tie. You want to flip for it? No, sorry. No, 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 no. You love Diet Coke. Don't undersell it. Like you should be fighting for this. I do, but I also love orange Gatorade. This is this is another weird thing. Is that I randomize the seeds, but some of these are us versus ourselves. I know. Yeah. So like diet. Coke versus Orange Gatorade, I would probably vote for Diet Coke between the two of those, but like in the battle between the two of them, I don't. I don't know. Like I, I don't know if I can fight for that. I think Diet Coke, t- Diet Coke tastes like uh, like chemicals to me, whereas like Gatorade Orange, I associate with like this is gonna help me recover from my exactly. Over. Well, di- Orange. Orange Gatorade reminds me of I'm sick and I need to get better. Mm-hmm. Whether that's a hangover or whether that's I I, I used COVID, to get illness whatever sure whatever but like in high school grade school elementary school like I, it's gotten better now but like I used to get like really shitty migraines and I think it's gotten better as I've gotten older but Orange Gatorade was always the help there when I was like ah, ugh, feel shitty Orange Gatorade <laughs> I would just chug that shit by the gallon also. Who can argue against that that giant open mouth piece with that giant fucking bottle if it's cold right out of the refrigerator? Sometimes you, maybe you put it in the freezer for a little bit. You fucking crazy playboy. Go ahead and put that in the freezer and take it out and then have a sip. Come on. Let's go. Come on. All right. We're moving on. We got to get through this. Episode's going long. Quarterfinals. Number one seed, Pilsner Urkel versus number nine seed, Cab Sav. This is a tricky one for me Cab because Sav. I would probably go Cab Sav, Cab yeah. Sav. Cab Sav. I think I, I love a good Pilsner, but I honestly think that like you could find a good Pilsner. There are more versatile uses. For me as a chef, aspiring chef, there are more versatile uses for a Cab Sav with any meal than a, than a Pilsner. You should try to make one of those patty melts with some Cab Sav, like, simmering sauce. For uh, I, like, glaze my uh, yeah, my onions in Cab yeah. Sav. I make dank patty melts. Let it be known. Yeah. 
Is there a is there a comic book character named Patty that we could like do that for the comic book bar? There is no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up. Our number five seed, iced coffee slash cold brew versus number 13 seed, Corona with a lime on a beach. Iced coffee. I would also go iced coffee on this one. This has been a lot easier. This is a lot easier than the movie one. We both like the same beverages. It's not that hard to figure out. Next up, our number 14 seed, coffee versus number 11 seed, old fashioned. Oh. <laughs> Woo! We got ourselves a fight here. I would honestly go old-fashioned because I like iced coffee more than I like hot coffee. But the problem is every day begins with a hot coffee. If it's in the summer, if it's in the winter, doesn't matter when, I always have a cup of coffee in the morning to start my day. And old-fashioned is the most beautiful way to end your day. So it's like this is a Sophie's choice for me. It's tough because I think that hot coffee – might be my favorite drink of all time, but in old fashioned is my favorite alcoholic beverage of all time. Oh, we already have another type of coffee on the list, which is also equally delicious. I can't imagine my life without an old fashioned as an option. So I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with an old fashioned as well. I kind of agree because I feel like I could give up a morning hot cup of coffee as a to sacrifice it for a cold coffee midday. Nitro cold brew in a can, sure. Like if I could, ha- if I start every day with like a hot tea or like a nice cold glass of water, and then in the middle of the day, water is the champion of the beverage bracket. <laughs> water doesn't know. count. Water sucks. We had to, d- but... we had to DQ water because uh, it, no. it, it gives all life, and Zach doesn't drink it. No, so. water sucks. I drink plenty of water. I just hate every second of it. Mm-hmm. It's awful. Sure. It has no flavor. I would rather be drinking something with flavor. If Diet Coke could give me all the nutrients of water without the flavor, with the with the flavor, I would I would take it every time. Yeah, but it doesn't. So I know. Here so we go. Gotta go for water. Yeah. All right. I mean, I would rather drink coffee all day if it hydrated me. Me too. Last of the quarterfinals, we got unsweet iced tea with lemon up at our 10 seed up against our 15 seed, which is orange Gatorade. Iced tea. I will also take this, but only because you put unsweet iced tea. If it was sweet tea, Fuck fucking off. orange Gatorade all day. Sweet tea sucks. It's too sweet. Iced tea I can't deal is with the it. most refreshing drink on the planet. <laughs> There's a little Bama in you coming out there. Just saying. Yeah. Boy. Boy. All right, so now we're into our semifinals. We got to power through this, buddy. Our number nine seed, Cab Sav, against our number five seed, Ice Coffee slash Cold Brew. Now this is a little trickier for me. Because I, my gut reaction is to say, like, I honestly think that I would take Ice Coffee Cold Brew like, I love wine, I love a good glass of vino, but there's nothing better to me than, especially if you work, like what I've done for most of my life, which is like high intensity, active work on your feet most of the day, like an iced coffee, a big ass iced coffee from Starbucks or Dunkin' will sustain you, will give you life for hours. Cab Sav is a nice wind down drink. So they both had their place. I don't know. How do you feel? 
In times of turmoil. When I find myself in times of turmoil. <laughs> I like to look to one of our role models on this show. Hmm. Ben Affleck. Snails. <laughs> Snail! <laughs> and, uh, what... <laughs> <laughs> what would Ben Affleck do in this situation? I think he'd get a large Duncan iced. Hmm. I gotta go with a with a cold brew or an iced coffee over a, over a cap sap. Yeah. So it's unanimous. Until this next one, potentially. Our number eleven seed, old fashioned, versus our number ten seed, unsweet and iced tea with lemon. This is a very difficult choice. I'm gonna go unpopular opinion. I'm actually gonna go with iced tea. I'm not gonna have alcohol in the final round which is shocking to most people i'm sure yeah i would in this situation i would go old-fashioned only because of the other round where it's like i would rather if i have the choice i'll take whatever but like i would rather have an old-fashioned to like unwind or you know have it while i'm watching a movie or playing a video game whatever i could take a cold brew coffee over a tea to like enjoy myself but yeah. This is a tricky one. Is there any way I could convince you to the iced tea side? I mean, I love iced tea. I are you you're you, but you're trying to convince me over iced tea over an old fashioned. An old fashioned. It's like I if I don't have iced tea, it's, it's like, tough. well, I've got coffee. You know? That's where my brain is at. That's fair. That's tough. Old fashioned is a lot of work. Iced Not tea, really. you just pour in a glass. But you gotta steep it. No, you don't. Not all the time. You can <laughs> buy iced tea pre-made. You can't buy an old fashioned. Yeah, but the best kind of iced tea is I don't know about you, but grandma's like, iced tea. Yeah, my yeah. mom used to make the way I still make iced tea yeah, to this know how day. To make iced tea. Don't worry. You get a big old glass uh, pitcher. Put a bunch of those tea pot, tea tea packets in there. You fill it with. You set it on the patio. You're like, oh honey, it'll be done in a couple hours. <laughs> you let that shit sit out there and then you bring it in and you pour that shit over it's a dang are you kidding me but the old fashioned it's a great cocktail it's a classic cocktail it's the oldest of old fashioned cocktails so I don't know I'm, my votes for old fashioned alright I'll succeed are you sure you do you want to flip for it you want to vote for it no I think you're right I think I'd rather have an iced coffee than, than an iced tea in terms of the caffeine debate it's tough. I love iced tea. You know this about me. An, a, a, an unsweet iced tea, tall glass, like I'm talking like a 10-inch glass. Mm, yeah, you got to get it big. With like two lemon wedges oh, yeah, in there. Oh, yeah, you got to get a lemon wedge in there. And I'm watching like a horse race or something. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Come on, Seabiscuit. Let's go, baby. <laughs> All right, so we're going old-fashioned iced coffee in the final. That seems to be what it looks like is that it's iced coffee as our number five seed versus our 11 seed, old fashioned. This might be controversial, but I'm gonna give it to iced coffee. I think my favorite beverage in the entire world is a big ass iced coffee. Old-fashioned gives me a lot of joy because it means I'm spending time with friends. 
means I'm drinking with friends. It means I'm loving it. It means I'm having a good life. But nice coffee, you know. Iced coffee in the morning after a night of old fashions shows you who really loves you. <laughs> yes, it does. Why are we talking? Why are we getting even deeper south the farther we get into this conversation? I feel like every single thing we talk. Why not, gonna, baby? Why not, baby? I'm gonna go with iced coffee too. I think the we Listen, can't we can't let, undersell the old fashioned. It's the best cocktail. But a cocktail doesn't necessarily have to be the best beverage. <laughs> Contrary to public opinion, you can't be drunk at work. You can yeah. have a nice coffee at work, though. You can. I think iced coffee is where it's at. I, I, I mean, I make coffee every morning in my pour over, and then I have a cup or two, and then I put it in the fridge, chill it out, pour it over ice. That's my five o'clocker right there. Love a nice coffee. I'm gonna go with that. So the best beverage on Radiovania. Ice coffee slash cold brew, baby. We did it. Yes, we did. Well done. I think we've done we've done the Lord's work here. It's a long pod. It's a thick one. All right, we're going to wrap it up so that we don't go any longer. But thank you all for listening to this episode of Radiovania. As always, you can go to Radiovania.com to catch up on all of our past episodes. Thank you if you've dove this deep into the psychoses of Zach and John. Uh, We've reviewed sequels. We've reviewed beverages. We've talked about Batman and fucking... Sweet tea. Sweet tea. And we talked about Oppenheimer and Nicolas Cage. And it's been a great episode. And thank you for listening. You can go to RadioVaniaShow at gmail.com to send us your questions, comments, and concerns. You can go to at RadioVania on Twitter to send us all of your feedback. Or if you want to tweet us or follow us, please do all that shit. I'm at Zachratella. That's at Najathan Parker. We will see you guys very soon. Because we got some Fast and Furious to review. That's right. Thank you all for listening. This has been episode number 97. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, but until then, uh, what was our the best movie was? Uh, Empire. Empire. Well, it's up for well, debate currently. Empire or Dark Knight. So give me, John, give me an Empire, Empire quote and a Dark Knight quote mixed together. Okay. Give me a second. <clears throat> Take your time. No, I am an agent of chaos.